October 10th, ladies and gentlemen, it's unbelievable. The season is about to start in the NHL. Football is going into week six, and we have the baseball playoffs. You are listening to the sports Loudmouth, I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy, Petey, 631-672-3108 is the number to call. Again, it's 631-672-3108 is the number to call. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Loudmouths with me and Speedy every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. All you have to do is go to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. We are live tonight on Tuesday and not Wednesday because it's a very special birthday. We're celebrating it tomorrow. My girlfriend, Brittany DeVita, a.k.a. The Britter, it is her birthday today, and uh, we're celebrating it tomorrow. We're going out to eat, and we're having some fun with friends. So uh, happy birthday to my love. The one, the only, the Britter. Uh, she is 34 years old. She doesn't want to be mentioned as a 34-year-old. But nevertheless, happy birthday, babe. Yes, happy birthday, Brittany. And happy hockey season to those who observe all the hockey fans out there. Lyle already in the comments section. I'm here. Don't worry, Lyle. The New York Islanders are not the oldest team in the league this year. That title belongs to the Penguins. <laughs> <laughs> but the Penguins are dangerous this year. They are. Because they added a defensive offensive player this offseason, one of the best defensemen in the league. So I, I think it's going to be very, very fun. The Metropolitan Division is going to be very wide open. The Rangers are going to be good. New coach, Peter Laviolette. I mean, all the things that we have seen so far this offseason for the NHL could really grow in the Eastern Conference. Everybody knows how good the Western Conference is. We all know about the Knights that won the Stanley Cup. And and, and throughout the, the offseason, even Colorado got better. So I, I do believe that the NHL is wide open this year. So are the Islanders a playoff contender? Well, Lou Lamorello made it sure that they're not an offensive team this <laughs> offseason. So uh, he made sure that they're not an off- offensive team. But we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. We have a great show lined up for you guys at 8.30. We'll be talking to co-founder of All-22 Fantasy Football, Chris Lombardi. He'll be joining us. So if you're a fantasy football fan, you must listen to this segment because he is fantastic, and he knows his fantasy stuff, one of the best in the business. At 9 o'clock, we'll be talking to Sports Illustrated, alldolphins.com publisher, Alan Pupar. Yes, if you don't remember him, me and him had a heated debate uh, last year with who, Speedy? With Mr. Matthew Tuchuk, which uh, unfortunately, Kuchuk, yes. uh, unfortunately, based on the year he had in the playoff run he had, I think he I won think that he was, argument. Well, he had it. He had it. <laughs> In the playoffs. He was right about that. Mm-hmm. And and the Florida Panthers went all the way to the finals and, and put up a good 
really a good playoff run, and a lot of it had to do with Matthew Kachuk. So I guess he was right. I'll give him his props, all right? Does that make everybody happy that for once I am going – no, I'm just kidding. I give a lot of people props, but I, I – I'm looking forward to getting Allen on the show. We haven't had him on for a while, so I'm looking forward to it. The Colts give Jonathan Taylor a three-year, $42 million deal contract worth, well, $26.5 million guaranteed. It, it is worth $42 million. So he got his contract, so he is going to be a Colt unless they decide to trade him. So I, I think this is very interesting. In the, what, sixth week? Week six, they're giving him a contract. They should have given it to him in the offseason. Who knows how good the Colts would be right now with uh, Richardson and him playing in the backfield. It would be fantastic. And now you missed, what, five weeks without him? And and right now the Colts are playing pretty good football. But they could be maybe even undefeated with their with their schedule the way it is. So very interesting. I, it doesn't make any sense. Reports say that the Broncos could blow it up after losing versus the Jets. Oh, my God. Blow it up. They traded their best defensive player at the trade deadline last year to the Miami Dolphins. I, what are they blowing up? Russ Wilson? Are you trading him? Nobody wants him. Nobody's going to take that contract on. They just And to me, they should lose because they, they need a quarterback of the future for this organization. It doesn't look like Sean Payton and Russell Wilson are getting along on the sidelines. That's for sure. Uh, NFL Network's Albert Breer reports many Patriot players do not have confidence in Mac Jones as a franchise quarterback. Duh. I mean, does anybody have confidence? Uh, O'Brien's the only person I have confidence of. He, the guy's an offensive guru, and I think he's the next head coach for the New England Patriots when Bill Belichick decides to step down. And it's not going to be his son. I don't know why anybody <laughs> thinks they're going to give him the coaching job just because he's Bill Belichick's son. So it, it doesn't make any sense, but we will get into it. Former safety Dante Whitner says that Dak Prescott sucks, period, following the Cowboys' 42-10 to loss against the 49ers. First of all, and I, I, you know what? We will get into that in just a few moments. George Kittle wears an F, a F Dallas shirt, and Micah Parsons responds, Kittle will laugh now, cry later. <laughs> I love Micah Parsons. I really do. He is really funny. Uh, uh, there were many big-name players injured in Week 5, including Justin Jefferson, Elijah Vera Tucker, and Matt Milano. So we will get into the injury report. MLB playoff recap so far. The D-backs lead. The Dodgers 2-0. The Twins and the Astros tied 1-1. The Rangers lead. The Orioles 2-0. And the Phillies and the Braves tied 1-1 with the unbelievable comeback yeah. by the Braves yesterday. So I-, I know Leaf is jumping for joy. That's for sure. <laughs> One of the best games. Maybe the best, probably the best game we've seen in the playoffs in the last two years. That was thrilling. Fox Sports AFC East reporter Henry McKenna said that the Patriots might have the worst receivers, saying, no matter how good of cook you are, you cannot make garbage taste good. Makes makes no sense, by the way. McKenna also mentioned that Bill Belichick struggles of finding a good wide receiver, including not wanting a trade uh, to trade the draft picks necessary for Debo Samuel, Amari Cooper, Tyreek uh, Tyreek Hill, or even Stephon Diggs. Belichick, uh, Belichick uh, also drafted 
Nikhil Harry over DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Terry McLaren, and Debo Samuel in 2019 NFL Draft. NFL Network's Albert Breer said that the Patriots defensive players have told him there is not much internal confidence in Mac Jones as a franchise quarterback. Mac Jones has been benched in two straight games, and the Patriots have been outscored 72-3 to in the last two weeks. Bill Belichick said that the Patriots' struggles weren't all on him, despite being replaced by Bally Zappi in two straight games. All right, we will get into everything. And I, I know Whitmer, Whitmer said something very interesting about Mac Jones that I want to get into as well. So let's get into this first. The Patriots are not playing good football right now. The fact that they beat the Jets a couple of weeks ago was an absolute catastrophe for the New York Jets. Because right now, the Jets really should be 4-1. and one. Honestly, they should be 4-1. and one. The only game they got dominated was the Dallas Cowboys. The Patriots should not have won 15 to 10. And the Kansas City Chiefs should not have won the week before on Sunday Night Football. Those are facts, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm not getting into it anymore. The fact is, right now, the New England Patriots are trying to figure out who their number one, number two, and number three wide receivers are. Their roster is horrible right now when it comes to offense. They have a good running game. Stevenson is a good player. Zeke could still play. They have no quarterback. Their offensive line stinks. They're as bad as the New York Giants. And we will get into the Giants' offensive woes because it is horrible. And you mentioned all the guys that got hurt, but you never mentioned Daniel Jones. Oh, Daniel Jones is on that list uh, when you uh, you read that later. (laughs) Right now, you try to figure out what the Patriots are. And there's a lot of things, as a fan, if you're a Patriot fan, you cannot like about this team. I know Jeff says, hey, we've got good drafts in the last two or three years. Bill Belichick has landed on all his second, third, and fourth round draft picks. Oh, really? Oh, really? Because their draft, or drafts, over the last couple of years have been horrendous. Yeah, they have some players. They found some players in the later round. Fine and grand and dandy. Is it helping them win right now? That's the question. Are the, play- are the playoffs in their realm? The answer, not a chance in hell. They are by far the worst team in their division. It's not even close. Yes, they beat the Jets. That's not saying much because they beat a team that was still trying to figure out who their starting quarterback is. And finally, Zach Wilson woke up. Well, at least we think he did. The fact is right now, this team has not been the same since the last year of Tom Brady's career with the Patriots. This has not been a good team. Yeah, they're a great defensive team, even though I have them on my fantasy teams and they've been absolutely horrendous. But that's, that's just another story. The Patriots are not the same Patriots team. Bill Belichick looks old. It looks like it's passed him by. He does not look like he has that passion and that fire that we've seen Bill Belichick over the years have. I love his press conferences. They're fun. He stands there. They ask him questions, and he says, rebuild. Well, what do you want to do as you move forward this season? Rebuild. Well, what do you mean by rebuild? I mean rebuild. That's all he said. 
It's about to rebuild. So are you giving up on the season? Are you going to look for a quarterback in this year's first-round draft? Are you looking for that guy that's going to take over for Mac Jones because Mac Jones isn't the answer? What is it? Are you going to retire at the end of the season? Are you going to part ways with the New England Patriots? Maybe become a GM or an executive for maybe an organization, maybe for the Patriots. This team is not good. Their wide receiving core is absolutely horrendous when your number one target is born. Or how about this? Parker. Are you going to sell me this receiving core to be any good in the NFL? This is the worst, really, receiving core in the NFL. And that's, that's not saying much because the Giants are right behind them. Or, or, or the Giants are still worse. I don't know. <laughs> They're both bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in the NFC, the Giants have the worst. And in the AFC, <laughs> the, the Patriots have the worst. There is no good wide receivers on this roster. There's not even young talent that really stands out. We all mentioned, well, I just mentioned Bill Belichick drafting uh, Nikhil Harry. He has been an absolute bust. He's no longer with the Patriots. I don't even know if he's in the NFL anymore. He was with he was with the Bears last year, I know. and I, He was brought in somewhere this year, but I think they cut him. I think Carolina. He stinks. And I told everybody, coming from Arizona State, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he was from Arizona yeah, State. I liked him at the time, too. I, I told wrong. you he was going to be a bust. <laughs> yeah, you did. I told everybody I did not think Nikhil Harry was going to be any good in the NFL. It's very hard when you look at the wide receiving cores, you know, the last three, four years to compare the wide receivers that have come out in the first two or three rounds in the last three or four years. Even last year, this past year, the, the wide receiving core was not any good. I mean, nothing really stood out. It looks like Zay Flowers could be a player. And Puka. And Puka, yes. And he, he was a player that was drafted in the late rounds. Yep. So Puka looks like he could be another Cooper Cup. Maybe a team like the L.A. Rams decide to part ways with Cooper Cup in the offseason because you don't need him. Puka is cheap. He's a, guy, he's a late-round draft pick. You don't have to pay him anything. He's, his rookie contract is, what, $150,000? Right. He's not making anything. And Cooper Cup is making a load of money. But that's we're not talking about the Patriots. Or maybe we are. Maybe the Patriots reach out to the L.A. Rams at the trade deadline and say, what do you want for Cooper Cup? And I don't want to hear Bill Belichick say, I'm not giving away draft picks. Your drafts have sucked. They stink. Stop saying you're not willing to give up any picks. You never draft right in the first round. As a matter of fact, you trade out of the first round. So if you trade a first-round draft pick for Cooper Cup, would it be that bad right now? At least you have a weapon. Right. Now, again, if you want to judge the quality of the draft picks for Belichick as still being good, that's fine. But he's never been good with wide receivers. Like, wide receivers drafting in the second round and in the first round have been a big weakness for him. Aaron Dobson, remember him? 2013 second-round pick did not turn into anything. Like you are saying, Nikhil Harry, who I liked at the time and I was wrong. He did not turn out to be anything. And Belichick at the time, it was weird because he kind of bucked his trend a little more where he was never drafting big-bodied wide receivers. All of a sudden, he it seems like that he was going to change something and it didn't work. And Belichick, I think that's the other thing that you look at teams like the Patriots and we talked about it with Green Bay in the past too. They're trying to be a new trendsetter. They try to do the counterculture kind of thing and it just doesn't work all the time. And Belichick did that for a while, but 
the one thing Belichick always had was a stability in terms of a system, too, with the tight ends that were always good, with linebackers, safeties, corners that were always good. And some of that is still there with the Patriots. The Patriots have talent with their secondary. Now, granted, some of it's with injuries now, but they have talent. So much the talent, they went after J.C. Jackson. So much talent. Congratulations to them. So much talent, they even took out a big contract for J.C. Jackson after the way he played with the Chargers was horrible. So they're trying to rejuvenate him. I never really liked him. He was like a breakout of two years, and that was really it. Kind of like what you saw with Tremaine Johnson. Then he went to the Jets and he was horrible and you look at that kind of thing with the Chargers they went through the same thing they got rid of him quickly and now he's back with the Patriots but the wide receiver core is really all Devontae Parker and a bunch of slot receivers and I'm, I'm reading what Snug said why would you go after a trade for a wide receiver that's coming off a major injury I don't know because they have nothing they have nothing Cooper Cup is still fairly young. He's, what, 27, 28 years old? He just got a contract. It's a fair contract right now for a top-end wide receiver, and he's a, he's a receiving machine. That's something they don't have. So, yes, I'm willing to go after a Cooper Cup, then draft somebody that you're going to probably strike out on. Go look at their draft when it comes to wide receivers. It's horrible. It's horrendous. What makes you think that Bill Belichick is going to get, is going to get this right now? Right, and that's why I think it makes a lot of sense to still try to explore trading for a younger guy. Like, like you were mentioning, 2022, there were all these receivers on the market from that 2019 draft class. A.J. Brown was the only one that ended up getting traded. He got traded to the Eagles, but Debo Samuel was on the trade block. D.K. Metcalf was on the trade block. Terry McLaurin was all on the trade block before they got their contracts. And the Patriots actually were one of the teams that, besides the Jets, that had a very big interest in Debo Samuel at the time, and they didn't pull the trigger. And that kind of thing, the Patriots have to evolve that kind of thing to adjust to the modern game. And that's where I think Belichick's been a little bit trying to be too cute and trying to be a trendsetter in itself. If you sit here today and you try to compare what the Patriots are on paper to any team right now in the AFC, and the AFC is not as good as we thought it was going to be this year. As a matter of fact, the NFC has looked better, and they have the more dominant teams right now. And I'm not going to say Kansas City because the Kansas City, and we will get into the Kansas City Chiefs, and we're going to get into week five, and we're going to go through every single game, and I'm going to give you my take about the Kansas City Chiefs because I think the refs are absolutely backing the Kansas City Chiefs. After the fourth quarter in that game, it's absolutely disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful for the NFL to sit there and say that they're not a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs. Because this is a team that has practically squeaked by the last two weeks over crap. And everybody was crying about Travis Kelsey. Oh my god, it could be a bad injury. He comes back and he scores the game-winning touchdown. I am so tired of listening to the Kansas City Chiefs and and the San Francisco 49ers. Everybody thinks Brock Purdy is the best guy. He's going to win the MVP. Brock Purdy is beneficent. I'm not taking shots at Brock Purdy. I'm not saying he's not good. I'm just saying for anybody to think he's the MVP of the league because of his defense and his offensive line just completely dominating the line of scrimmage and they can run the ball right down your gut. Yes, Christian McCaffrey is right now, to me, out of all the players right now in the league, is the MVP of the league. He has been that good. That good and that dominant. But everybody's giving it to Brock Purdy. Go, Brock Purdy! Hey, you know what? The New England Patriots could have had a chance to go and draft him. So everybody in the NFL, they, they had seven rounds to go after Brock, Part- Brock Purdy. And as a matter of fact, he was the final pick in the draft two years ago. So eat your heart out, San Fran. I, I mean, not San Fran, everybody else. But nevertheless... I, this Patriot story is, is going to grow legs. The fact that the team is throwing, yes, the team is throwing Mac Jones under the bus. It just sounds like one of the other teams. I don't know. It sounds like the Jets. <laughs> it, it really does. Everybody makes fun of the Jets and how 
stupid the organization has been and how the players have thrown the quarterback under the bus or the quarterback threw himself under the bus last year. Now it's becoming the Patriot way. Hey, you know what? Bill Belichick, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. Keeping this idiot as my star quarterback or my franchise quarterback. Absolutely disgraceful. It really is. Now, as far as extracurricular activities for players that don't play in the NFL anymore. And and I'm I'm going to say this very very nice, okay? Because I I do not I do not like Dante Whitner. It's starting to really piss me off. It really is. Because Dante Whitner should not be speaking. He should not. He's not in the NFL anymore. He's a, I understand he played for the 49ers and the Bills, and he was a decent player. He's not a Hall of Famer, so nobody gives a crap what he has to say, okay? I'm going to read this, and I'm going to just attack it from top to bottom. Former Bills and 49ers safety Dante Whitner said about Dak Prescott, Dak sucks, period. They talk so much about Dak Prescott being the top-tier quarterback franchise guy. I don't see it. I see them trying to cover up for what he lacks. Prescott finished with a 51.6 passer rating, a 58.3% completion percentage, 153 passing yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions against the 49ers. Tyreek Hill responds, what's up with these old heads? Whitner responded to Tyreek, you fast, but you lucky. I would have killed you on the field. Then uh, George Kittle had a shirt under the jersey that said F Dallas in a game where he caught three touchdowns. Michael Parsons responded to Kittle saying that the Cowboys won't forget this action and Kittle will laugh now, cry later. The 49ers have beaten the Cowboys in the playoffs each of the last two seasons, both games being one possession games. I remember Dante Whitner. I'm going to say this very, very nicely. Hey, Dante, did you ever win a Super Bowl? How good were you? And why would you be speaking about a quarterback that you have no control of? You're not a part of the organization. You never were a part of the organization. And why are you speaking about the organization? I am not a Dallas fan, but I hate when people attack Dak Prescott. Did he look good against the San Francisco 49ers? No. But either did his offense and either did his defense. His offensive line was putrid. They could not protect him. He was getting killed behind the line of scrimmage. He was forcing passes all over the field. Nobody was getting open, including CeeDee Lamb. Nobody. And there were a lot of mistakes. And it wasn't just from Dak Prescott. Where was Tony Pollard? In the game, besides fumbling the ball twice, and and obviously he fumbled it once where he lost the ball, and the other time he picked the ball back up. But nevertheless, where was Tony Pollard? Where was this dominant front five, or whatever, front six that the Cowboys have as a defensive line? With Lawrence and Micah Parsons and Van Der Esch. Where were those guys? Where were they? And McCarthy, what were you doing in the second quarter with the play calling? I was watching the second quarter. I was absolutely blinded. And to me, if you're a Cowboy fan and you're watching that garbage, why would you? Why would you want to watch an offensive team? Well, it was built to be an offensive team. Everybody keeps saying, well, this is a defensive team. This team was built offensively. 
okay? Now, do they have the offensive weapons to run McCarthy's offense? No. But Tony Pollard is a weapon. Have they used him right all season long? No. They're throwing short passes because they don't think Dak could complete the far passes and the deep passes, which is bullcrap because Dak has been doing it year in and year out. That is so untrue. Is Dak an elite quarterback? He's not. But I was, I was just talking to Josh Silverberg before the show, and I said, Josh, how many quarterbacks would you take over Dak Prescott right now in the league? How many quarterbacks? And we counted them. Maybe 11. 11 quarterbacks we would take over Dak Prescott. That means he's in the mid, mid-tier, second-tier kind of quarterback or third-tier, beginning of the third-tier quarterbacks. Dak is a good quality quarterback. He is. He is. He could play the game. He Does he make mistakes? Every quarterback makes mistakes. The question is, does his defense hide the deficiencies of the quarterback? The Jets, we, we all know what Zach Wilson is. We know what he's capable of doing and what he's not capable of doing. So what makes the Jets a better team when they win? It's their defense. Their defense dominates the game no matter how bad Zach looks or no matter how stupid Zach makes of a play in the fourth quarter like he did on Sunday, they win. Why? Because the defense blocks and hides the deficiencies of the quarterback. As good as the Cowboys defense has been, they have fallen apart the last two weeks. And I don't want to hear about Diggs. Yes, they're not the same defense, but it's not just Diggs, guys. It's not. Teams are figuring them out. Teams are figuring that they're moving Micah Parsons all over the field. And what are they doing? They're bringing, when, when Micah Parsons is in, they're clogging up that end. They're using three guys to block Micah Parsons. They're bringing an extra tight end end to block Micah Parsons and keep Micah Parsons from getting the quarterback, getting to the quarterback. The 49ers did that with George Kittle all game long. And you suck. Yeah. And that was the dominant part of the game. Go watch the game over again. They couldn't get to Brock Purdy. And when they did, Brock Purdy released the ball fast. And he has weapons. Debo Samuels, great player. Hayuk is a good player. They have weapons like Christian McCaffrey and Mitchell. I don't even think Mitchell played yesterday. No, he didn't. They have weapons. And as good as Brock Purdy has looked, and he's 10-0 in the regular season, good for him. I, I have to give him a lot of credit. For a guy that was a seventh-round draft pick, the last pick in the draft, he has been everything that nobody thought was going to be. He really is. But he's an efficient quarterback. He's not a superstar quarterback. He's not Jalen Hurts. He's not. He can't do everything on the field. He can't move inside and out of the pocket like some of these quarterbacks can, like an Anthony Richardson can or a Justin Fields can or even a Zach Wilson can. He doesn't have that ability. His ability is to see the field. He reads the field very, very well, and he makes efficient passes. Dak Prescott, he could do all those things. He can move inside and outside of the pocket. He can throw on the run. The problem with Dak, and I'll say this very fairly to him, in the big games, he disappears. He disappears. And the Cowboys didn't really help him in the offseason. He added Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is an old man. And they misuse him badly. He's an old man. And, and, and everybody talks about Turbin. Oh, look. They know how to use him. Oh, look at this. So, Turbin stinks. And Michael Gallup hasn't been the same wide receiver since he tore his ACL. 
He's not the same player. He doesn't have the same speed and the same jump. They don't have anybody but CeeDee Lamb and Tony Pollard, who has looked very bad the last two weeks. So why is Dante Whitner speaking? Why is he speaking about the Cowboys? And by the way, I love George Kittles, and I think it's really, really funny what he did. But, you know, I wouldn't get Micah Parsons pissed off. I really wouldn't. Because you know and I know that if these guys meet in the playoffs, it's not going to be a happy thought. Well, Micah Parsons also did love uh, running his mouth last year at the Eagles, and the Eagles definitely made him pay in that second game when uh, Micah Parsons was being shipped, chipped all over the place by that Eagles offensive line. So Micah Parsons definitely loves to run his mouth, too. And Kittle, he definitely has the guy to fire him up. But as far as Whitner's comments, yeah, Dak Prescott did struggle in that game. I think two of the interceptions were really bad interceptions, the one to Warner especially, and the deep one. But still, I mean, he had one interception before that too so all of a sudden he plays against the top defense in the NFL and he becomes uh not the best quarterback yes he has to do better against better defenses too he has to do better against these great four-man rushes there are definitely flaws in his game that's why we're thinking can he be that third he is is a third tier quarterback but he's probably still 12th or 13th like we were saying whatever year he's in but again the, the Dallas Cowboys have one thing that they have not what is it with everybody with this Jeff I mean, seriously, Matt goes into the, the, the feed and he says, we want Jeff, we want Jeff. Why do you want Jeff? Why does anybody want to hear that idiot? Every time he's, every time he's on the feed, he says something stupid. He doesn't say anything smart, that's for sure. And when he does say something smart, it gets lost in every stupid thing that comes out of his mouth. Mm-hmm. Seriously. And you look at Dak as well, he has to be able to adjust better to spread out the ball better because you saw the Niners had a good game plan for CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb was being double teamed a lot in that game. You saw even Warner running with CeeDee Lamb at certain points in that third quarter as well. Like He's the, probably the only middle linebacker that could run with a wide receiver and kind of keep up. And the, the Cowboys have to do a better job of adjusting. And that also goes on Mike McCarthy. So if you want to slam Dak Prescott for struggling, Mike McCarthy did not do any better <laughs> with his play calling in that game. The game Game planning and the adjustments were just horrible throughout. Ian Rappaport reported Saturday that Jonathan Taylor signed a three-year, $42 million contract. Taylor will get $26.5 million guaranteed, and the contract will span from 2024 to 2026. Jim Ursay tweeted, we have extended Jonathan. He is a special player, and this extension is important knowing the impact he will make as a team, as the team develops under Shane, I have no doubt he'll continue to create highlights, plays, and memories for our fans. He deserves this deal, and I'm happy for him. I have a lot to say about that, by the way. Taylor came back in Week Five from an ankle injury, but didn't start. He had uh, six carries and 18 yards. Taylor was one of many running backs criticizing the trend of the NFL GMs not paying running backs and ended up being the first of those guys to get paid. In three seasons and 43 games, Taylor has 3,841 rushing yards and 33 touchdowns, averaging 5.1 yards per carry. The one thing that really stands out in this article or what we posted here for for our show is Jim Irsay, okay? I think Jim is a nice guy. I, I've never met him, but I've heard stories about him. He seems like a cool dude, and, and a lot of people, you know, like Jim Irsay. He, he's a smart guy. He's a good owner. He works with the players. He's a player's owner. That Great for him. This is the same freaking guy a couple of weeks ago that threw his running back under the bus. The same guy. 
The same guy that went up to the press and threw his running back under the bus. Saying that he should respect his contract. He should come and play and earn his contract. Meanwhile, this guy has been the best running back or one of the top five running backs in the league for the last three years. Now all of a sudden, Jim Ursay is saying, oh, we really appreciate this guy. He's special. Blah, 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 blah. Let's extend him. What are you, crazy? What are you, crazy? And this is the problem with the NFL and and, and these GMs, a.k.a. owners, okay? They throw their players under the bus. They do. They throw their players under the bus when they don't get what they want. Or they, they, as owners or GMs, they don't get what they want from those players respectfully. And then all of a sudden, when they decide to negotiate the deal and they give their players these, this kind of money, they bring them back and say, oh, this guy is special. We, we need this guy. This guy is going to be a big part of this team and this big part of this offense or defense for the future of this organization. Now all of a sudden, you believe he's a future? How much of a future does a guy have when he has been disrespected as every single running back has been dis- disrespected throughout the offseason? Saying that they're not important. They shouldn't be paid. They're only three to four year players and then they're done with the NFL. Meanwhile, we've seen Adrian Peterson last a pretty long career. Curtis Martin, even Barry Sanders before he decided to retire at a young age, had a long 10 year career. When you're an elite running back, you can play multiple years. <laughs> well, Zeke, whether he's a leader or not for those years is another question, but he, at his peak years, he definitely was. But Jonathan Taylor is getting on that track even better right now because you look at the record-setting year he had in 2021. He was thought of as an offensive player of the year candidate. Obviously, last year, dealing with the ankle injuries throughout the year did not hurt, did not help his value. But still, the fact that Jim Irsay goes, like, he all of a sudden now is praising him after, like, criticizing him is just very fishy in itself, too. And I feel like, in certain ways, it's held the Colts or organization back too because of this ownership kind of taking over we were talking about it last week with the Raiders how their ownership has gotten in the way at certain points obviously the teams like the Texans have had their ownership criticized a lot and obviously Jerry Jones with the Cowboys we know he gets criticized a lot but Jim Irsay has sometimes held this play this team back in terms of getting the players to want to either stay there or go there too and it was covered up over the years because of Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck but and Andrew Luck retired early and then all of a sudden it's been a revolving door and Chris Ballard is a good GM too and I feel like a lot of the the players have been held back by the fact that Chris Ballard he drafts well but then he's not able to keep these players or sign these other players too and I feel like on another team where the ownership isn't so stubborn and egotistical like Jim Irsay a team like the Bills or the Ravens etc Chris Ballard would look like one of the best GMs in the league because he's drafted well. Has anybody gone shopping for toilet paper? Has anybody actually, before they bought the toilet paper, make sure that they feel if it would be good to wipe their own ass with it? Has anybody tried that? I mean, I do because, you know, if you don't do it right, you don't buy the right toilet paper, what happens? You bleed, right? That's, that's what, that's what Obviously, or it gives you hemorrhoids, right? That's what usually happens. Oh, just like the Giants offensive line last week? I'll get into it. Hold on. (laughs) Hold on. When you talk about running backs in this league, and you're trying to compare, you're trying to find that toilet paper, the match, that matches that running back that says, oh, that running back is going to be, he's going to be worth buying or paying. Okay? 
And I, I'm using toilet paper because that's what I do. When I go to the supermarket, the first thing I do is look for the right toilet paper. I don't know what it is, but, you know, I go to the bathroom a lot. I don't know. I, I'm sure everybody does, but that's what I do. I, I, I enjoy my favorite part of my day is when I go take a dump, okay? That's, that's me. When I'm reading sports and everything like that, that's what I'm doing. So I look at toilet paper as players, okay? As crazy as it may look, and maybe it sounds a little weird, that's what I do. I look at toilet paper, toilet paper as players. So when I'm going shopping for a running back, what am I shopping for? I'm shopping for a guy that is going to be a big part of my offense. I am going for a guy that is going to open up the offense and open up the offense from my wide receivers and help my quarterback out. All the running backs that are going to be free agents this offseason – Saquon Barkley, you name it, from top to bottom, guys that nobody wanted to pay. Now all of a sudden you have one guy, uh, for some reason Jim Irsay decided he loves his toilet paper. He's signing him. Now all of a sudden, (laughs) now all of a sudden he's the soft toilet paper. He's the great toilet paper. He's the toilet paper I want to buy. Until he's not anymore. And I have to go with something softer. I need to go and find something softer because my ass can't take that beating anymore. I don't know if you want to buy toilet paper of a company owned by Jim Ursa. He might lace it with drugs. <laughs> what, what is it Snug saying over here? Uh, how many kinds of toilet paper are there? Why does it always go back to ass? I don't know. I'd party with Jim Ursa. <laughs> first of all, it, I'm going back to because it's the truth. But first place I go when I go to the supermarket, when I'm going, if I'm with my girl or I'm just by myself, the first thing I'm do- going is the toilet paper section. Because I'm, I'm trying to find the right toilet paper. Let me tell you. I buy a load of them, you know? But it, it, sometimes I buy it. I think it's soft. And by the end of the, the week, I'm like, what the hell is this? Why did I buy this crap? And that's the way they treat. They treat running backs as bad toilet paper. Oh, you know what? We, I, I didn't like, I, I, I don't think he's soft enough. Or I, I don't think he's good. I, I, I'm just going to get rid of him. You know, he's after two years, after his rookie contract's up, because usually running backs are drafted in the third and fourth round, even good ones are drafted in the third and fourth round. I don't need to extend them. It's only three years, and I can get rid of them. This is what the NFL treat. This is how the NFL treats running backs now. Like they're a piece of garbage. And this has to be cleaned up. Because if it doesn't, you look at the wide receivers. I'm going to tell you right now. Does Jamar Chase deserve on a $140, $150 million contract in the offseason the way he has played this year? The answer is no. And I want to hear about Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase does not deserve a $150 million contract. He has done nothing this year. Nothing. Nothing. If you go up and down these wide receivers that are making all this money, all this money, are they worth it more than some of the running backs, the top elite running backs in the league? And the answer is no. You would ask me right now, if you could ask me right now, who would you want? Jamar Chase or Bijan Robinson? Who would you want? Who would I want? Uh, I would want Jamar Chase. I like Jamar Chase. I am going to take Bijan Robinson because he could do everything. He can catch the ball, he can run the ball, and he's consistent. Jamar Chase disappears throughout weeks. He disappears. When he plays good defenses, good secondaries, he disappears. Bijan Robinson is a rookie. He has played how many games this year? Has he been dominant every single game? Absolutely. Running the ball and catching the ball. 
I'm taking him. But all, you're not going to see B. John Robinson make $150 million after, after three or four years. No, 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 no. Jamar Chase will. That's the difference. I look at guys that can do multiple things. And by the way, B. John Robinson actually blocks. His, blocks. Jamar Chase don't block. He don't do anything. Besides catch the ball and run down the field and make stupid plays and dance around the field when he scores a touchdown. Right, and that's the impact you look at with running backs uh, that need to be the focal points of their team, too. Because there are certain teams you can get away with not having that kind of thing, but the Colts realize they're not one of them. The Jonathan Taylor is the focal point of that offense. We've seen that running scheme still do well, but think about having an athletic freak of a running back like Jonathan Taylor in that Shane Steichen offense, which has already done well with a lot of these backups so far, and Jim Irsay, whether it's all him or whether it's Chris Ballard, I would say it's mostly Chris Ballard, because Jim Irsay still likes to run his mouth, but they realize that that's going to be the value, because we've already seen Anthony Richardson injured twice already this season, so can they trust him as as a franchise quarterback down the road? We don't know yet. He's played well when he's been healthy, but he has been hurt now twice, and the wide receivers is a position they're still going to have to fix, so they have to justify that for now with the running backs. It's not like they have the tight ends either, And again, it's not like they have the coaching that's going to elevate a running back platoon yet. Certain teams can get away with that. Teams that have top quarterbacks can get away with that or top offensive coaches can get away with that. But you also look at, think about the 49ers though. Christian McCaffrey went to a whole nother level going to Kyle Shanahan with the 49ers. Why can't Jonathan Taylor have that same kind of thing if this running scheme is going to be as good as it's been so far? Because Zach Moss has played really well the last two weeks, but Zach Moss talent-wise we know is not anywhere close to Jonathan Taylor. So Jonathan Taylor now gets that extra boost now being elevated by the, the Colts already have a pretty good offensive line. I wouldn't say it's as good as it was three years ago when everyone said it was the best in the league, but it's still very good. And you look at the offensive scheme, Eagles-type offense going to Indianapolis, that kind of thing could be taken to another level with an actually elite running back when healthy in Jonathan Taylor. As far as the Jets are concerned, losing offensive lineman Elijah Tucker, and he will miss the rest of the season to a torn Achilles, is not only sad, but difficult moving forward this season. Because Dwayne Brown stinks. We all know what he is. Makai Becton almost got hurt. We saw Tittman go down, too. Their whole offensive line went down in week number five. Against a Bronco team, let's be honest, is an absolute joke. Okay? The fact that the Jets let the Broncos in the game or kept them in the game, to me, was despicable by itself. Now, Sean Payton is besides himself, okay? You heard it at his press conference. Even when Robert Sala and him went met each other in the middle of the field after the game, he says, stay humble, okay? That's what Robert Sala said to Sean Payton, pretty much taking shots at Sean Payton for what he said before the season started, throwing Nathaniel Hackett under the bus. And Nathaniel Hackett, I give him a lot of credit because after the game when he was up there talking to the press and he got the game ball from the New York Jets because they were very happy to give him the win. Obviously, this was his former team. Obviously, he got ran out of Denver as the coach because, hey, Russell Wilson couldn't run his offense or couldn't understand his offense. And Sean Payton just never gave him any credit. These guys were friends at one point, And then he throws his friend under the bus on national television, on national radio, in front of the press. I mean, to me, it is a laugh. It is a laugh for the Jets. Even though the Jets didn't play well, it was one of the sloppiest games I have ever seen. It really was. How many drop balls? How many stupid plays did we see defensively and offensively be made by both the Denver Broncos and the New York Jets? It was horrific. It was horrible. Okay? The only thing that stuck out stuck out in that game 
was Brees Hall. That's it. Brees Hall has really, really shown everybody to be not only explosive, he could be one or the best running back in the NFL if the Jets give him the ball more. Yeah, and you look at the coaching battle with Hackett and, uh, Hackett and Payton, too. You look at uh, Nathaniel Hackett had his clock management blunders, and Sean Payton had his play-calling blunders in the second half. So it all kind of evened out to, like you're saying, just being really ugly as a whole. It was ugly. That was an ugly, ugly game. And losing, like I said, losing Elijah Vera Tucker hurts the Jets. It absolutely does. Oh, yeah. But nevertheless, the Jets have to move on. They have to find somebody that's going to play that right tackle position. It can't be Dwayne Brown. I'm not moving Tittman there. I keep Tittman on the guard position. Everything has worked so far with this line with Elijah Veritucker at right tackle. Is it Max Mitchell? Is Max Mitchell the guy? They're going to try him again. He played pretty well since he took over for Elijah Veritucker in the second half. It makes sense. But I don't know if Max Mitchell can handle some of the top defenses he's going to have to play, including the Philadelphia Eagles that they're going to be playing on Sunday. That's a good defense. That's a good front seven. The question is, is he going to be able to handle those big, beefy, you know, I I don't know, those Georgia Bulldogs. (laughs) Yeah, those Jalen Carters and Jordan Davises and Fletcher Coxes. And by the way, that defense has not played well all season long. This is not the defense we thought they were going to be. Again, it's early, and they, they're still a young team, and they have to figure things out. And when they do, they're going to be dominant. And I still think the Eagles, being that they're 5-0, and they, we haven't even seen the best of the Eagles. Right. We have not seen the best of the Eagles yet. So I, I know everybody sits here, they're not the same team as they were last year. Why? Because they haven't played well in five weeks? I don't know. They're 5-0. and It doesn't really matter. To me, it shows in the record. If they can find a way to win, even if they're not playing at the top of their game, it shows you how good of a team they are. That's what they are. And they're better than Kansas City. There's no question. They're not getting, you know, calls go to them by the referees. And, I, again, I will get into the Kansas City Chiefs and how lucky they are as an organization and team right now because it seems like the NFL loves them and they're the Patriots of these days because it doesn't seem like anything or nothing could go wrong for that team and that organization, including Patrick Mahomes. He gets everything and he gets every call go to him. And I want to hear him at the press conference say, well, you know, it wasn't a penalty, really. Uh, this and that, and making up his rules in the NFL. He doesn't. I don't even thought. I don't even think Patrick Mahomes even knows the rules of the NFL. He just goes out there and throws the ball and runs and and he plays. I don't know high school football. That's what he is. He's a good player. There's no question. Is he the best quarterback in the league? No question. And I'm not even getting into the Kansas City Chiefs right now. It just bursts my bubble right now when everybody thinks that Patrick Mahomes is the next thing or the next big thing to, I don't know, Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. He's not. Not yet. He still has a lot to prove. A lot. And Tom Brady got a lot of the calls too. Peyton Manning got all the calls too. The great ones get that. And the NFL, to me, is despicable to give it to them. If anything, I'd put more pressure on them. You want to see how great these guys are? Put all the pressure on them. Let them go out there and show everybody how talented they really are. Right. And it's not like these other elite quarterbacks are getting all these calls either. Like, Josh Allen and Joe Burrow do not get the same treatment that Patrick Holmes does. And Jalen Hurts, same kind of thing. Part of that, him being a runner. But you talk about with the Eagles. Like, the Eagles haven't been able to run him as much. And Jalen Hurts is set out of bounds a lot of the time, too. And they're not getting those same level of calls either that you see the Chiefs have gotten, too. There's even a Chiefs... 
I think there was an incident during the fourth quarter too, where the, uh, one of those Chiefs players were complaining about something, and there, the, he had his helmet off, and the refs were like, "Just put your helmet on, or I'm going to call you." Like maybe another guy would have been flagged. As far as Zach Wilson is concerned, and I, and, and again, we will go through the games. Did he have a good game? The answer, he played okay. Was he as good as he was with Kansas City? No. He wasn't. And anybody that believes he was is ridiculous. Okay? He threw an interception to Garrett Wilson. It was in Garrett Wilson's hands. He fumbled the ball. He was tugged on. That was a penalty. There was no question. Patrick Sertan was holding on Garrett Wilson. But it wasn't called. And I'm going to tell you this right now. I don't know what it is with the NFL. And I'm not saying this because I'm a Jet guy. Okay? I'm not. I don't know what it is with the NFL. Why aren't they calling holding calls against any of the teams the Jets are playing? Every single time they're holding at the line of scrimmage. Quinn Williams was thrown around. I, I mean, how many times have we seen Johnson being hold? How many times do we have to see it before these referees open up their eyes and call something? I understand they want the game to go on, but you're doing it against the Jets. If you're doing it against the Jets, you have to do it to the Denver Broncos. I understand they're in Denver. I understand they have home field advantage. Okay, so the Jets had home field advantage against Kansas City. Why weren't they getting the calls? Because the NFL loves the Chiefs. Because you don't like the Jets? You're not going to give them the calls? It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And, and, And I believe the referees kept the Broncos in the game. Especially in the first half. After Brees Hall had the 72-yard run, and he had 177 yards, he was fantastic, dominated the line of scrimmage. They could not stop him. They couldn't stop him last year before he tore his ACL either. To me, when you look at the big picture of the New York Jets, if they can figure out how to be an all-around team, if Zach Wilson could... Just be as efficient as Brock Purdy. He doesn't have to be as efficient. Just efficient. Like Brock Purdy. They can win a lot of games this year. Even with Zach Wilson. This defense, this red zone defense is the best in football. Mm -hmm. It is the best in football. By a long shot. This defense has given up no touchdowns in the red zone in five weeks. None. Zilch. Zero. And teams have been in the red zone numerous amount of times a game. Like four, three, four times. Kansas City was there three or four times in that game. They couldn't drive the ball in. The Jets' defense is for real. It is good. They didn't even have DJ Reed yesterday because of concussion protocol. This is a good defense. They haven't had Lawson all season long, really. He's played one game. The guy is still not healthy. They made him a healthy scratch in this game. Well, I, I think they made him a healthy scratch because he really wasn't healthy. That's what I think. I don't think he's been healthy. This team, if they play the way they did against the Broncos, against the good teams, if they can go and beat Philadelphia on Sunday, they're going to go into their bye week 3-3. Three and three. And even though I still think the, the Jets could be 4-1 and one going into week number 6, it, it coulda, shoulda, woulda. They're not. The fact is, they could go into week six and knock off a Philadelphia Eagle team that was in the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs that they should have beaten two weeks before that. They could compete against the top dogs in the NFL. What does that say about the Jets? If they had Aaron Rodgers in their lineup right now, who knows? They'd be 6-0. That's how good the Jets are on paper. Dalvin Cook looks old. I, I don't know what's going on with Dalvin Cook. 
he has not looked the same play. He hasn't looked the same way, maybe because he didn't have a preseason, maybe because he was sitting out uh, waiting for somebody to sign him. He he did not have an offseason, so I think that might have affected him, but he's not the same player he was with Minnesota. And you look at the offensive line injuries that the Jets had, too, and they were still able to do enough offensively even with all that, too, because the Broncos, obviously, they don't have the same defense they did last year either, especially pass rushing-wise, but still... The Jets having all those injuries, they had to rotate a lot of offense alignment, and they still were able to have an effective offense amidst all that. Now, the Broncos did, did well game planning for Garrett Wilson at certain points, and Garrett Wilson took over in the uh, later in the game as well. But you look at Zach Wilson being able to spread the ball around well, I think he did it well at certain points in this game. Like you said, he didn't play as well as he did last week against the that Chiefs. That pass to Conklin and, and, and Lazard, right. when he was looking all over the field, and he, was, he, he wasn't looking at one player, he was using the field— that showed me that he's growing. It's showing me that he's starting to see the field. And that is something to look forward to if you're a Jet fan. Because now you can see that the kid is starting to understand how to read his reads. The problem is, when he reads his reads, is he making the right throw to the right player? Is he forcing the ball in spots that he shouldn't be forcing the ball? He hasn't done it. He didn't do it against Kansas City. He did it more against the Broncos because he thought that he could do it against the Broncos. But when you're playing a guy like Patrick Sertan, who to me is a top three, top four corner in the league, you're, you're going to put yourself in harm's way. And he did. And, and even though it didn't hurt him, it didn't affect him. Thank you to, obviously, Quincy, uh, Quincy Williams, who, by the way, is one of the best linebackers in the league this year. Yeah. The Jets gave him a three-year deal, and the kid has been all over the place. He was unbelievable against Kansas City, and now against the Broncos. This is back-to-back weeks. He's been one of the most dominant players for the New York Jets defense. And C.J. Mosley, I don't know, t- to me... C.J. Mosley was a second-team All-Pro player. He's a first-team All-Pro player this year. He is everywhere on this defense. Everywhere. It is unbelievable where C.J. Mosley has been this season. And I'm starting to believe that that contract that the Jets gave C.J. Mosley years and years ago where everybody was questioning it has been a very good one. And you look at the case of the Broncos, too. Like, the Broncos have these stars, and Zach Wilson was still able to decoy away from the stars. And that's another big step with their with their de- with their offense, too. And Nathaniel Hackett, as much as Sean Payton wants to blame him, deserves a lot of credit for that kind of thing, too, because Alan Lazard was used a lot more the last two weeks than we've seen him before. The Jets were rotating tight ends very effectively, too, where they got all three of them involved at certain points in the second half. And Zach Wilson was able to recognize that kind of thing, and that's a good step for his development. Yeah, the statistics are still not amazing for him yet. Yeah, he still had some bad plays where he took a, took too long to release the ball, took some bad sacks, but I think you saw some of the deficiencies that Zach Wilson definitely showed because the Broncos don't have that same level of pass rush that the Chiefs do either and the Jets offensive line and all the injuries but I don't think he had, when he got flustered it wasn't as bad as you saw in recent weeks either and it may, maybe that's a good th- good thing for the Jets offensive line depth but it also could be a really bad thing for the Broncos I don't know but this will be a big test this week against the Eagles who yes they don't have the same defense with the middle of the field because they've allowed a lot of big passes to tight ends and say, uh, their safeties which benefits bad. the New York Jets and Garrett Wilson this week but the, the Eagles pass rush is still really good so they have to be worried about that Zach Wilson has to have some plays designed for him him where he gets out the ball out quickly. Uh, Giants quarterback Daniel Jones suffers a neck injury during the fourth quarter versus the Dolphins. Timetable is still unknown, but Jones says he feels fine. 
if I were Daniel Jones, I wouldn't want to be out there. <laughs> Honestly, I would milk this and never step on the field for the rest of the season because this guy is getting killed. This offensive line has been absolutely putrid. I think they've given up 16 or 17 sacks in the last two weeks. Yep. It's been horrific. And if you're, and I, I don't want to hear it from the Giant fans saying that Daniel Jones isn't the guy. How is he the guy when he only has 1.8 seconds to throw the ball? 1.8 seconds. The fastest release in the NFL is actually one of the guys is Dak Prescott. His release, 2.2 seconds. Dak Prescott couldn't release the ball in two in 1.8 seconds. No quarterback can. This is ridiculous. And by the way, Evan Neal, why are you attacking the fans? I said it last week. You have been despicable. You can't play guard. You can't play tackle. You couldn't even in Oscar Wiener on the sidelines right. The guy is absolutely putrid. How the hell did he play for the Alabama Crimson Tide? How was he an offensive tackle for them for a for a championship team? The guy stinks. He was better than Jedrick Wills on that he, team, too. <laughs> he absolutely stinks. He looks like Flowers, okay? He looks That's worse. I, Flowers I mean, was good his first two years. <laughs> he looks putrid. If you're a Giant fan, I mean, that draft has been horrific. Thibodeau is not the guy. I'm sorry, he is not the guy. When everybody thought that this guy was going to bring them a pass rusher, he was another Justin Tuck or a Michael Strahan, he is nowhere close to any of those guys. Not even close. His head is so far up his own ass, he should be spitting out the pencils that he's writing on his, on his, in that book on the sidelines that he's probably writing a, a po- poem or poetry. Because he's probably saying, TikTok, I'm going to stop and I suck. Well, at least it's Will Beatty for the Giants in 2009 when they drafted him. They have not drafted a good offensive lineman. He stinks. Yeah. He stinks. That whole team stinks. They stink, okay? Without Saquon Barkley, for everything that Joe Shane decided to do in the offseason, he looks even more dumb. Mm-hmm. He really does. Saquon Barkley, since they, he's left and he is not in this offense, it's, this offense has been nothing. Garbage. They can't compete. My, the Miami Dolphins made them look like paperweights. <laughs> well, the Miami Dolphins make, a, make the New York Giants offensive line look only half as good as last week. It still look horrible. Like, the only reason why is. the Giants were somewhat in the game is because Tua made two bad mistakes. Mm-hmm. That's I, it. I and he still second, had a good game. And I think the second pass actually hit the offensive lineman's helmet, too. Like That was even like a fluky thing, too. So the Giants ended up getting kind of lucky on that one, too. But, yeah, the Giants offensive line, they haven't drafted a good one since Will Beattie in 2000. And now all the Giant fans are saying, we need a quarterback. You're not getting a quarterback next year because Daniel Jones still has another year, and then they can opt out. I don't know why you wouldn't want to opt out of this guy. This guy stands in the pocket and takes a beating. That is a tough quarterback. Any other quarterback like Zach Wilson will probably be running backwards. We've seen him do it how many times? Run backwards and then throw the ball or get... You know, a safety or, you know, run 50 yards back and tries to chuck the ball down the field. It doesn't make sense. Have you seen Daniel Jones do that? No. Even Josh Allen did that his rookie year, too. He did. They took, like, 20-yard sacks a lot of the time, too. It didn't make. It doesn't make any sense. Daniel Jones does not run backwards. He runs forwards. He runs to the side a lot. He'll step out of bounds on occasion before he throws the ball. But, yeah, he's never run uh, 10, 15 yards If backwards. I was Daniel Jones, I would not want to step on that football field anymore this season. I, I really wouldn't. I, I would milk this and say, oh, my neck is hurting me. I think I, I, I teared a ligament in my neck. 
and I'm going to be out for three or four weeks. I do not want to deal with the crap that I'm going to be dealing with week in and week out. I give it to Tyrod Taylor. He's still making pretty good money as a backup quarterback. Let him get the beaten. Can't wait for the Tyrod Taylor versus and Brian Dable versus the Bills revenge game this week. Oh, please. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Bills will probably score 40-something, and the Giants will score who knows. Hey, maybe the Giants will see their future wide receiver in Gabe Davis, because I think Gabe Davis will be a free agent this offseason. He could be a guy that the Giants could be looking at. I, I think Gabe Davis has looked pretty good this year. Yeah. And uh, he looks as good as he did when Dable had his final year with the Buffalo Bills offensively. Uh, Gabe Davis is definitely going to be – he could. the Giants will have money to even add Gabe Davis and T. Higgins yeah. if, if they really want both of those guys. They need weapons. They don't have it. I, I've, I've made fun of the Giants and the, what the weapons are on that team. There is nothing – they're just as bad as the New England Patriots. They have all number fours on that team. There's nothing – Nothing on that team. I think they're worse than the Patriots. The Patriots at least have some guys that are good hands guys. Like, they're not great explosive guys. The Giants, they have all, like we say all the time, pot hands guys. Jalen Hyatt included. Right Jalen now. Hyatt didn't even play in the game. Yeah, they're, he, they're barely targeting him for whatever reason. They love to put Paris Campbell in the game, and it annoys me. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, you look at the Giants, and you're trying to compare and contrast some of the players that they have. There's nothing. Here, Darren Waller, he had his eight receptions, 86 yards. Darius Slayton. Two for 35. Paris Campbell, two for 23. Isaiah Hodgins, who Mikey C likes, two for 19. Wandale Robinson can't stay healthy, five receptions, 18 yards. Sterling Shepard, give him an extension you know, a couple of years ago. Thank you, Gettleman. The guy get, tears his ACL. He's one for 13. I mean, Daniel Bellinger, the tight end, who looked pretty good last year, I, he was one for seven yards. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing that stands out on this team offensively. If you were a team or defense, Miami's defense isn't that good. They don't have Jalen Ramsey in this defense yet. This is not, Fangio has not really run this defense like we thought he was going to be early in the season. Maybe it'll get better when a guy like Jalen Ramsey comes back. Nevertheless, this is not a top-end defense. And they dominated the game. They absolutely shut down any of the wide receivers the Giants have because they're not any good. You know your offense is the worst offense in the league when you made Eli Apple look good again and looked like he was going to oh have a revenge God. game on the Giants. Oh, my God. And his mother was in the, you know, he of course was there. she was. She was there. I, they actually had video of her at the game. So she doesn't really post anything. She got rid of Thank her Twitter. God. But uh, she was there. I, I'm sure she's laughing to the bank because she, she knew her son wasn't respected over there in New Yorkville. Well, so it just shows how bad the Giants are when the, when Eli Apple could look like the first round pick he was drafted as by uh, Jerry Reese. Yeah, Bills All Pro linebacker Matt Milano will likely miss the rest of the season, which is horrible with a leg fracture. This is the, arguably one of the best run stopping linebackers in the league, and he can get to the quarterback. Uh, Long Island native, he's from the Comac area, the Hopog area. I, I like Matt Milano. I think he's a great player to watch. I think he was definitely a, a find by the Buffalo Bills years ago in Get the draft. Pick, yeah, yeah he, he was fantastic. He really was. And and he he was playing great football. He he Not only is he one of the only all-pro players that they have, he's there really throughout the season. He's been their best defensive option. So... I, I, it's a sad, you know, move, you know, something to see something like that and see a player like that get hurt like that for the rest of the season really screws up. If you're a Buffalo fan of the defense, Von Miller needs to come back. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what's going on over there. You paid this guy a lot of money and this guy has barely been on the field. 
barely been on the field. How many games has he played in the it last was two the years? First, first, it was the first one he came back for, and then last year he missed the last eight or something like that. It was He went on IR late in the year. and the Bills, Show up to the game. I don't care if he played. He didn't look like he was playing in the game. Yeah, and the Bills are going to have to have that same kind of adjustment be made that when Von Miller got hurt last year, did the young pass rusher step up and they didn't do enough in the playoffs, and they're going to have to have that same kind of thing with their linebackers this year. Now, the linebackers, the young kids they have, Bernard, who was a second-round pick in 2022, and... um. Dorian Williams was a third-round pick this year out of Tulane. They've played well, but can they play well without Milano? Carl, Carl, we've been talking trash about the New England Patriots. The whole first segment, you missed it. I I threw the Patriots under the bus. You missed it. You're You're going to have to listen to the replay of the show. I threw the Patriots under the bus. I spent 20 minutes of throwing the New England Patriots under the bus. And and guess what? Let Jeff call the show. By by all means, he can call the show. It's not going to make a difference because I'm still not going to put him through on the on the feed because he's an idiot. But if he wants to call the show and open his big fat mouth, I would love to throw him under the bus because there's nothing good he could say about his New England Patriots. Nothing. Well, Jeff will actually probably throw Mac Jones under the bus because he's an Alabama quarterback. <laughs> Cowboys linebacker Leighton Vander Esch will miss four to six weeks with a neck strain. Four to six weeks for a neck strain. A neck strain. I love Vander Esch. This you're a tough guy, and you're going to sit out four to six weeks for a neck strain. Come on, guys. I mean, I've had neck strains, really bad ones, and I played and I played and I played. I pulled muscles in my neck and I played games. Six weeks for a neck strain? Embarrassing. He's turning into Sean Lee 2.0. <laughs> Dolphin star rookie running back, and I mean star, Devon Chain, is being evaluated with a knee injury suffered in the second half versus the Giants. This kid is explosive and fun to watch. I, I mean, I, Texas A&M uh, kid who really just out of nowhere, Mostert got hurt. He comes in, and for the last two or three weeks, he's been unbelievable. Yeah, and you look at the value he has for the Dolphins speed-wise and passing game-wise, too. He has a lot of it, and the Dolphins needed that with the running back because it was an unknown position with all those other wide receivers and the offensive line tight end question marks, too. But he's broken out nicely, so we'll see if they could do it without him because now Mostert's going to have to take on a bigger role at 30 years old. Vikings All-Pro wide receiver Justin Jefferson suffered a hamstring injury in the fourth quarter of their matchup versus the Chiefs. Head coach Kevin O'Connell says the timetable is still unknown. This is not good, okay? A hamstring problem, and it's probably a bad one. This is a speed guy. His legs are everything to the way he runs routes. And, and losing him, they're what, one in four right now? Yep. They're not making the playoffs. Kirk Cousins' final year of his contract, I mean, what do they have to look forward to? Honestly, I would probably part ways with this season because they're not coming back in this season unless they go on this crazy run when they win six to seven games. Right? They're, they're not what they were last year. They, they won the close games last year. They're not winning any games close. They're not even staying close in certain, in certain games. Uh, to me, it's been more of an embarrassment. And, and everything that we saw last year for Kevin O'Connell and the way he ran his offense, it's been not only worse – he could lose his job at the end of the season. Yeah, we were talking about it at the beginning of the year with Pete Bursick, too, when Justin Jefferson said he wants to be paid as the highest-paid wide receiver in the NFL. And he did. And, and now you look at the Vikings. Oh, he will. <laughs> yeah, now you look at the Vikings, the situation they're in. It seems like they're really all a passing attack and not much else on that team. Now, they are able to get sacks on the quarterback. They have been good at getting pressure, but their run defense has regressed from where it was last year. Their pass defense has gotten a little better, but still, it's not great. And the offensive line's had a lot of injuries, too. So they've not been as well-rounded. So 
it begs the question if you're the Vikings now because Justin Jefferson did trade say, Kurt Cousins. D- Justin Jefferson did say he wants to play with Kurt Cousins. Do you try to maybe maximize the value and trade both of them? So what Jefferson? You do you consider it for a haul that they could get? I don't know. You're not trading Justin Jefferson. You are out of your mind if you trade the best wide receiver in the league. It's like Green Bay. Well, Green Bay didn't trade. Devontae Adams. He decided to part ways, but it was a big loss losing Devontae Adams. And in, as you saw Aaron Rodgers the year after, he was not happy the fact that Devontae Adams went over there. He understood it, he, but he knew he knew without Devontae Adams, this offense wasn't going to be the same offense that he had the year before. And w- could you imagine Christian Watson and his rookie season and Devontae Adams? They they definitely make the playoffs. So And maybe they don't trade Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> probably. Or Well, I, I still think that Aaron Rodgers wanted to part ways, even if Devontae Adams was still there. I, I do. But nevertheless, I, I look at Justin Jefferson. This is a big loss. It really is. And if you're a Minnesota Vikings fan or you're a fantasy fan, you're probably going to lose Justin Jefferson for four to five weeks, yeah. maybe even longer than that, which means the season is practically over. Their only offensive option, they got a young one over there. Uh, he, he looks good, Addison, who got in trouble, whatever he was doing, speeding. Trying to save his dog. Oh, well, that's, that, that's what he says. I mean, <laughs> I'm surprised he said he wasn't Superman. He tried to save some woman in the middle of the road and catch her while he was speeding out of there. I, I don't know. I, it, it, it's, some, it, it's something interesting, and uh, maybe – Addison turns into the superstar that they thought they were drafting. I don't know. But nevertheless, this team really doesn't have anything to look forward to. A Dalvin Cook is no longer on the team, even though he hasn't been much of the uh, for the Jets. Maybe the Jets trade Dalvin Cook back to Minnesota, and they have another weapon. I don't know. With all the offensive line injuries, it might not be much better for Minnesota either. At least it gives them a running game that they don't have. <laughs> I mean, maybe. But if Dalvin Cook's playing like he's doing this season, I don't know well, how much maybe it's it Maybe he doesn't understand the Jets' offense because he, he wasn't there all preseason long or OTAs or any of that. I think that's affected Dalvin Cook. I really do. No, that's that, that's fair, but I think that right now the Vikings are not going to. I don't think he's going to be able to save, be saved by one player. They need a lot of different things right now. So yeah, definitely a big decision. What you end up having to do with Kirk Cousins too, because you Kirk, trade him. I, there's no doubt in my mind. You have to trade him. I don't right. want to hear about Justin Jefferson. He's going to get paid. You're going to pay him big mucho dinero. I don't want to hear it from my my best player. I, you're going to get a quarterback. We'll probably lose this season, and we'll go after Caleb Williams, or we'll go after Nick's, whatever his name in from uh, Oregon. From, or, Oregon or something like that. Or Panics from Washington. Too, or really or good, how about yeah. the kid from uh, North Carolina? Drake May. Yes, yeah, one of these guys. Go after one of these guys and, and and you'll have your quarterback of the future and then you have a guy that you could play with Justin Jefferson for the next 10 years. I don't know. The fact is, it's not working over there with Kirk Cousins. Now, I'm not saying Kirk Cousins is not having a good season. He is. If you look at his numbers, his numbers are there. And, and there are a lot of teams that might be willing to give up maybe a second-round draft pick for Kirk Cousins. I don't oh, yeah. think he's worth a first round because he's on his final year of his contract. If he still had another year left, I could see a team giving maybe a first-round draft pick if they need a quarterback of that magnitude. But right now, I, I if I were the Minnesota Vikings, I'd rebuild. Trade away the veteran players that you have and move on. Right or wrong, Speedy? Yeah, you look at Kirk Cousins' value being at an all-time high, too, because, like you said, he's had a phenomenal season, really, besides his blunder at the end of the game against the Chargers. He's had a phenomenal season. And you look at the Vikings' just balance of structure right now. They have a new GM they brought in two years ago. They brought in a new coach they brought in uh, last year with O'Connell. And a lot of these guys were fr- some of the carryovers from Mike Zimmer, too. They already lost Eric Hendricks in the offseason, too. Now, he's gotten to the Chargers, hasn't played as well, but still— 
you look at Harrison Smith on a one-year deal. He hasn't played as well this season either. So they're definitely going to go in that kind of direction too. And it might start with trading somebody like Cousins and maybe some of the offensive linemen that are free agents too. There's Trade away the veteran go. players. You can get a lot back for them. Rebuild in the draft. You'll still be a decent team. You're in the NFC. The conference is eh. I, the Green Bay is still rebuilding. The Lions are the team to beat in that division. I think so. And they, it took them a while to figure it out. Oh, yeah. But they're they're moving forward. They have Jared Goff. They found a needle in a haystack. I, 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 I give Jared Goff a lot of credit because when he came into the league, I thought he sucked. Okay, I, I remember he, that. <laughs> he was Sean McVay's guy, and Sean McVay made him look good. He was calling all the plays at the line of scrimmage. Finally, Detroit gave him the, the reins, and he's finally figuring it out. And I think... Jared Goff, there's anybody that's grown as a quarterback in the league. It's Jared Goff. Really, he's been amazing. Right. You called, you, you, you were, a lot of the things you were saying about Brock Purdy, you, called, you were calling Jared Goff. Yeah, but that here's time the thing. Too. Jared Goff was the number one pick in the first round. That's fair. He was a, Brock Purdy was the final pick in the seventh round. So there's a difference there. We expect a guy like Jared Goff to figure it out. It took him a little while. Maybe Sean McVay held him back. Well, in his defense, though, when he his first year, remember, he was drafted before Sean McVay got there, so he was with Jeff Fisher. They might have had the worst receiver yeah, in the league that But year. Sean McVay held him back. That's what I think. Because he goes over there with Campbell, and he's a different quarterback. He's been a different quarterback. And, yeah, he has St. Brown, and he has some weapons over there, and they're young, and they're fun to watch. Still, nobody would have thought that this would happen. And they also have an offensive line that's been <laughs> phenomenal, Detroit. They have a running game that's been phenomenal. And they have a defense that's actually number one against the run this year, which was a big weakness for them last year. The Lions are suddenly turning into one of the most well-rounded teams in the league. By the way, uh, Texas looks like they're going to sweep. Yep, you were right. <laughs> I, I, and I, all I have to see, all, all I want to see is Philadelphia move forward and Arizona move forward. And if we see that, I'm going to tell you, Speedy. You should have bet on my picks. Well, you I, I'm rooting for Arizona, so I'm fine with that. <laughs> I, I don't want the Dodgers to win. I just thought they would. The Dodgers are not winning. They're not winning. No, Even not, if, now they've lost game two now. I thought they were going to win game two at least. They're That's... down 2-0. They're not coming back in that series. And even though I think even though I think Philadelphia absolutely blundered that game yep, classic against, Philly's bullpen. <laughs> uh, uh, against the Braves, I still think Philadelphia will win in, in, in five games. I think they'll win in five games. I think they're the better team right now in the playoffs. In the playoffs, not all around talent-wise, but in the playoffs, I think Philadelphia is one of the most talented teams. But we'll get into baseball a little bit later. But it's pretty crazy that Texas is whipping the Orioles' ass. They're absolutely beating the living daylights out of them. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really, it, it's unbelievable. And that shows you how good Bruce Bochy is as a coach. This team didn't even come close to make the playoffs last year. They had Bruce Bochy and really nothing else. They added a, a pitcher that's no longer on the team. And then they traded for a pitcher that's no longer on the team. And they're still winning. And that they just, traded for Scherzer, who got hurt. <laughs> it, it's unbelievable. <laughs> yes. I just said that. Two pitchers. One pitcher that came from the Mets and uh, missed the whole season practically. And then Max Scherzer, who's missing the playoffs. And they're still winning. That tells you what the coach is, the manager is. And it's it's pretty amazing. We'll get into that. I, I can't wait for them to trade for Garrett Cole next year. Then they'll be reuniting all the New York pitchers together. I don't know if they'll <laughs> trade for Garrett Cole. And I don't think the Yankees are willing to trade Garrett Cole. But he will become a free agent after next year. He will opt out of the contract like CC Sabathia did. Mm-hmm. And he want more money. It, the Yankees, I, I, they'd be crazy to give it to him because he'll be 33 years old. Yeah. But we'll get into baseball a little bit later. It doesn't make any sense. And, and, and if anything, that would help 
help the Yankees out to get rid of Garrett Cole's contract. As good as Garrett Cole is, it would help the Yankees out because then if they are going after Soto or Yamoto or whatever his name is, they, they, they're they going to open up opportunity to get these guys and not go over the, the gap that everybody thinks they could go over to go after them. So it, it, there's a lot of questions with the Yankees. I don't want to get into it right now. Um, are you ready to do a, a go over uh, week number five? All righty. So, yeah, the first game we were talking about earlier was in, in London, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Buffalo Bills. Matt Milano getting hurt in that game definitely hurting the Bills because Jacksonville was finally able to run the ball. The ETN we were talking about had a bad year uh, before that, but he had a great game in this one and really taking another level to that offense. And the Bills uh, secondary without Tredavious White definitely getting exposed a little bit too as Trevor Lawrence was able to spread the ball around nicely as well. Jacksonville's defense, like we were saying, has been playing well all year, and they played just enough to win this game. Oh, th- this game was – and obviously you were right. I, I did not go with Jacksonville. I thought bu- the way Buffalo was playing, they were playing lights out. But in a game that I said if Trevor Lawrence figures it out, they could win, and they did. Tw- 25 for 37, 315 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Travis Etienne was all over the place, 26 carries, 136 yards. He finally had his breakout game, two touchdowns. Trevor Lawrence ran the ball a little bit, seven carries, 31 yards, 4.43. You're talking about a quarterback running over four yards a carry. And Calvin Ridley was used as a running back in a game. Ch- Christian Kirk was used as a running back in the game. And then Calvin Ridley did have a breakout game. It, it, it showed he didn't have any touchdowns, seven receptions, 122 yards. Christian Kirk, six receptions for 78 yards. Travis Etienne, four receptions for 48 yards. Evan Ingram, four receptions, 28 yards. They spread the ball out fantastically. And Zay Jones, another touchdown, three receptions, 23 yards, one touchdown. Fantastic. As far as as far as the Buffalo Bills, it's a big loss to lose Milano, but even a big loss to lose this game. Josh Allen had a great game, 27 for 40, 359 yards, two touchdowns. He did throw that interception that caused him. But nevertheless, uh, they couldn't run the ball. This has been a problem for them all season long, and it's going to be a problem moving forward. They maybe need to trade for a running back at the trade deadline. If there's a running back that's available, we heard that the Jets are shopping Nicole Hardman. Maybe you bring in another weapon like that that you can use in you know bunches and, and maybe use Nicole Hardman. As a, I'm not saying that's what they're going to do, but they need to be schemeful and, and change things around because they're not doing it in the games against these top-end defense. And Yes, the Jacksonville Jaguars played very well defensively and they showed they've won three games in a row. They went 0-2 and now won back-to-back-to-back games against really good opponents. Stephon Diggs, eight receptions, 120 yards, one touchdown, another good game. Gabe Davis again, six receptions, 100 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Deontay Hardy, who the hell is that? Two receptions, 62 yards. James Cook, three receptions, 25 yards. It wasn't enough. And that's why Jacksonville won. Right. And uh, you look at the Bills, too. They might not be able to trade for a running back because they might have to trade for some defense at this rate. Losing Milano now. That is brutal. Uh, speaking of uh, brutal, we talked about how bad the Patriots were. But let's talk about how well the Saints played. 34 to nothing. They beat the Patriots in that game. Welcome back, Alvin Kamara. He had a very nice game. 80 yards. Thank you, Alvin. A- 89 yards and a touchdown. And was getting involved in the in the passing game as well. And the Patriots, you see them try to take out Chris Olave. But the Saints were able to spread it around to everybody else. Derek Carr, his numbers didn't stand out. But they didn't really need him to do. Because he was efficient. He doesn't right. need to be a superstar right. player. He just needs to be efficient. <laughs> because the defense was able to do the rest against that future, future Patriots offense. But he was able to get some other targets involved, too. Even the rookie running back, Kendra Miller. Rashid Shahid's been a nice, pleasant surprise for the Saints. And Michael Thomas had his best game probably in a long time for the Saints. Four catches, 65 yards, seven targets. Like you said, he was efficient. 18 for 26, 20, 183 yards, two touchdowns. Alvin Kamara, breakout, 22 carries, 80 yards, one touchdown. We knew Alvin Kamara was going to wake up. He played pretty well his first week last week. He's even better this week. He's only 
only going to get better, and it's going to open up the offense for the Saints. They're going to be very hard to beat as Alvin Kamara starts to move into that offense. Keandre Miller, 12 carries, 37 yards. He was another guy that at some points could be explosive. Michael Thomas, four receptions, 65 yards. Keandre Miller, four receptions, 53 yards. Rashid Shahid, two receptions, 28 yards. Alvin Kamara, three receptions, 17 yards. They spread the offense. They need to get Alave more into the offense. He did have a touchdown in the game, but he was he disappeared in a lot of part of the game. He was targeted only five times. They need to use him more. But nevertheless, uh, they looked really, really good. And the Patriots are just putrid. Mac Jones, 12 for 22, 110 yards, two interceptions. Bailey Zappi was not even better. Three for nine, <laughs> 22 yards. Give me a break. Uh, Stevenson, eight carries. This this running game has fallen apart and fallen apart the last couple of weeks. They have not been good. Uh, and that's been a big problem because this was their strength. And Kendrick Bourne, two receptions, 43 yards. Demario Douglas, one reception, 24 yards. Devontae Parker, two receptions, 20 yards. It's not going to get it done, ladies and gentlemen. 34 to nothing. Last week they lost by they 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 lost what? 37 to 3. They they scored 3 points in 2 weeks. That is not Going to win a lot of football games. This team is the worst we've seen in a very long time. This could be a team that could be in a top five in the draft this year. And definitely going to be looking for a quarterback. Also, shout out to our friend uh, Aaron Schatz, uh, who we've had on the show. He actually says the Patriots, uh, I saw a tweet of his, the Patriots have the worst defensive DVOA this season. That's how bad they've been even there. So uh, The Tennessee Titans fall into the Indianapolis Colts. Colts win it 23-16. to They're playing great football. Man. Yeah, they were able to stop Derrick Henry in this game. And when you can stop Derrick Henry, it's generally tough for them to win this game. DeAndre Hopkins had a nice game, probably his best one with the Titans, probably the best one we've seen in a long time, even with Arizona as well. He's getting very comfortable in this offense. The Colts still struggling with the deep pass, but like we were talking about earlier, this running game, even when Jonathan Taylor is still limited, Zach Moss had himself a, a game. It shows this scheme is really something. And But the backup quarterback, too, because Anthony Richardson got hurt again in that second quarter. Gardner Minshew had 155 yards, played okay, but if mainly Zach Moss doing all, all of that. Anthony Richardson, still, Richardson was still 9 for 12 and 98 yards. He was playing good before he got hurt. I've been very impressed with Anthony Richardson. I did not think he was going to be this good this quick. And the guy could run. He's got long legs. He just needs to stay healthy. That's something that we have to watch as the season moves forward. If he could stay healthy, this team could be competitive and could win that division. Yes, you heard it. They could beat out the Jacksonville Jaguars. They have been impressive. The coaching has been fantastic. Zach Moss, like you said, it's going to be very hard for Jonathan Taylor to win back his job when you have guys like Zach Moss, 23 carries, 165 yards, and two touchdowns. Here's the thing. If you look at Zach Moss right now, he could be a trade target. Trade him back to the Bills. (laughs) You you could trade him and get something back for him. Maybe a second or third round draft pick the way he is playing right now. 7.17 a carry, which is three yards over the NFL yard total every single carry. So it's it's unbelievable. Anthony Richardson was two carries for five yards. Not really much for him because he couldn't stay healthy. Michael Pittman, five for 52. Still he doesn't. He's not scoring a lot of touchdowns. It's a big problem right now. They need to find him. He needs to find the end zone. None of their wide receivers had any touchdowns in the game, and that's scary. When you're getting it, you're getting all your offense from running. It's not going to be enough when you're playing all the top defenses. As far as the Titans are concerned. Tannehill didn't have such a bad day. He really didn't. He didn't score any touchdowns. But 23 for 34, uh, his percentage, his quarterback rating is, is still up there. 264 yards, one interception, no touchdowns. Uh, Derrick Henry, 
Uh, three carries for 43 yards. That's not good enough. And that Indianapolis defense really shut down Derrick Henry, like you said, Speedy. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins had a big game. Eight receptions, 140 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Spears, uh, four receptions, 35 yards. It just didn't get it done. And and Trayvon Wesco, who was drafted by the New York Jets, is finally (laughs) playing one reception, 21 yards. It's still not enough. And that's why... The Colts knocked off the Tennessee Titans. Speaking, speaking of tight, uh, tight ends finally playing, finally Kyle Pitts gets targeted for the Atlanta Falcons, and good things happen for them because the Falcons' run game got shut down in that game. Maybe they'll start using him. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. They better because Desmond Ritter finally had his first 300-yard passing game of his career because he targeted the most athletic and talented player that they have in Kyle Pitts, outside of B. John Robinson, of course. But B. John Robinson was limited in this game. He only had 14 carries, 46 yards. Still was doing a little bit with the receiving, but they had to throw he the ball. He was fantastic. Win. Still, he, yeah. he he still had a he, like crazy he, catch. Yeah, here's the thing: he still had a touchdown in the game, and and that says a lot about who he is as a player. And he is all over the place. He's very hard to stop. I've been very impressed with Bijan Robinson because I didn't. Everybody was talking about how great he is. He's a top five, maybe even a top three running back in the league. Now all of a sudden we're seeing it, and he does it week in and week out. He he's changed the game, and he opens up the game for the Atlanta Falcons. And one of the reasons why the Atlanta Falcons right now are three and two is Bijan Robinson. Mm-hmm. And you look at the Falcons defense continue to be really strong throughout the year too. C.J. Stroud was having a hot streak right now, coming in as one of the best overall quarterbacks. Nevertheless rookie quarterbacks and the Falcons defense showing that why they're legit all the offseason acquisitions they made a lot of times free agency doesn't work right away and it's working for them um Janu Smith again had a good week uh, six receptions 67 yards Drake London woke up or whatever in his sleep or his daydream six receptions 78 yards it's Kyle Pitts seven for 87 uh, it shows you and, and if you could get Kyle Pitts involved it's going to open up the offense for Desmond Ritter as he was 28 for 37 329 yards and one touchdown I don't think Desmond Ritter is the future of this team or this organization but he's playing good enough and this defense has played fantastic I mean Everybody keeps talking about how bad the Bengals were in their second. They had one player, one player, and it changes their secondary. And you know who I'm talking about, Speedy. Oh, yeah. And you look at a case of the the, the, the Falcons right now. Mr. Too. Bates. Yep. You look at the Falcons. They have a lot of things going for them well if they can actually use their uh, skill players right. And the shows. And you want to know something that's even more impressive? C.J. Stroud, who has not thrown an interception yet this year. Yes, you heard it from me. C.J. Stroud, the rookie. Everybody was saying that was not good enough to be the second round, second pick in the first round, and everybody was saying that he could fall out of the top ten. This guy's been the best quarterback, best rookie. To me, rookie of the year by far right now. You're going to give it to a quarterback. I don't know. Puka might have something to say about that. But. You're not giving it to a wide receiver. You're going to give it to the quarterback. 20 for 35, 249 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. That's amazing right now. Five weeks into the season, he has not thrown an interception, and he's been fantastic. Uh, Pierce had a decent game, 20 carries, 66 yards. Uh, Strout didn't run the ball very well in this game, but why did he have to? I, I, I think this game was very, very close. It was going to be a gut-checking g- game where it was going to be defense versus defense, and both defenses played very well. Dalton Schultz, uh, seven receptions, 65 yards, one touchdown. I'm sure the Cowboys wish he was there. <laughs> and, and Tank Dell and Nico Collins both didn't have the, a, a big game. Uh, Tank Dell had three receptions, 57 yards. Nico Collins had three receptions, 30, 39 yards. Not good enough, and that's why they lost the game. I, I think C.J. Strout really still stood out in a game that kept his team in it. All you want to see is a Rookie quarterback, keep your team in the game, and he did. They lose twenty-one to nineteen against a team. I still think the Atlanta Falcons are a borderline fringe type of playoff team, uh, but 
they're finally used Kyle Pitts. If they do that moving forward, they could be a dangerous team. All right, we'll do one more before we get our guest on because uh, Chris is in. Uh, we'll do the Ravens and the Steelers. A very ugly game in that one. The Ravens offense still not looking very good right now. Zay Flowers, like I said, is the only real, uh, really the only consistent one. Uh, five catches, 73 yards, targeted 11 times. They really trust him, but they have not much else right now. Mark Andrews was okay, fine, but they need something to go right. This offensive line has been a mess for the Ravens this year. Lamar Jackson's been hit a lot. He's been running for his life a lot and definitely has not been the same as he was at certain points Maybe it's the money. <laughs> yeah, well, the money he's, he's getting the money, but they are not being able to pay everyone else because everyone else is getting hurt on that offensive line, and obviously the running game is still a mess. The Steelers' offense is still ugly. They're not much better. Kenny Pickett has not looked great whatsoever, but they're getting better a better production from George Pickens. What a big game, 130 yards and some spectacular catches. Where the, the hell is Odell Beckham? Okay, where he's, the hell is he? He's dating. He's dating Kim, Car Kim Kardashian. He's a Kardashian. It should be Odell Kardashian Jr. Because everybody that dates a Kardashian loses. They're not good, and he is horrible. Just retire already. You get a lot of money in the offseason. Well, you got enough for a guy that barely played the last two years. He looked good in the Super Bowl and could have been the MVP. He gets hurt. He wins the Super Bowl ring finally, and then he completely lays up a lousy goose egg. The guy stinks, okay? He's done. I'm sorry. Nelson Aguilar, he stinks too. He did have four receptions, 64 yards. He's not the same player he was with Philadelphia. He stinks. Mark Andrews. They're not giving the ball enough, okay? And Zay Flowers is the only explosive player they have right now. Five receptions, 73 yards. Gus Edwards, it's not good enough. Their running game, ever since J.K. Dobbins has been down, is not good. I, Lamar Jackson did have six carries, 45 yards. Lamar's been running for dear life. 22 for 38, 236 yards, and one touchdown. It's not enough, okay? It's not. And the Steelers... I got to give Kenny Pickett a lot of credit. For all the people that were attacking him, including yours truly, he made the plays at the end of the game. Is he a dominant player? Is he a franchise quarterback? I do not believe he is. But he showed up, and he gave his team a chance to win. 18 for 32, 224 yards, one touchdown. Jalen Warren, uh, nine carries for 40 yards. Uh, Najee Harris, he needs to wake up. This guy needs to wake up. He, he has not played well. 14 carries, 37 yards. And I'll tell you this, George Pickens, give it to Georgie. Yes. Come on here, Georgie. You know, like that. That's why, you know, it. Remember it? That's that's where it's from, you know? Anyways, George Pickens, six receptions, 130 yards, one touchdown. Jalen Warren, three receptions, 39 yards. Allen Robinson, five, uh, five receptions, 29 yards. And then, obviously, Connor Hayward, three receptions, 23 yards. If Pittsburgh plays like this throughout the season, and stays in these games, and their defense can keep them in the games, they can win the division. This division is, Mediocre. we thought, <laughs> was going to be one of the better divisions. The Bengals are really not as good as we thought they were going to be. I know they, they were, they're a second-half team. We'll see what they can do when Burrow gets healthy. But nevertheless, Baltimore hasn't looked good. The Browns haven't looked good. They have a chance to win this division. I, I've been very impressed with Pittsburgh and their defense. T.J. Watt is a beast, an absolute beast. So, so far, those are, those are our recap for our games for week five. And uh, when we come back, we will be talking to co-founder of All 22 Fantasy Football, our friend Chris Lombardi, here on the Sports Live Mouth. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. You can call us at 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouth. I'm your host, 
Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy. Petey, remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week on the menu bar. All the local listings are there. You can tune in live. You can listen to us on the replays, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You name it, we're on it. Odyssey, you can listen to all the shows. Tune in every single week if you want to get involved in the conversation with our great guests, great content, and the craziness of me and Speedy. Speedy is not wearing any underwear today. So uh, if you guys want to know that, uh, Speedy? What kind of underwear did you wear yesterday? I am not telling. Okay, well, there you go. Speedy's not wearing any underwear today, and he's not going to tell us what kind of underwear he was wearing yesterday. Anyways, uh, tune in to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network by going to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in a very long time, we have our special guest, a guy that's been on the show before and has no reason to hate us. Not yet. We are now talking to co-founder of All-22 Fantasy Football, Chris Lombardi. Chris, what's up, buddy? I missed you guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, well, we're happy to have you on. There's a lot of things going on in fantasy football, including yours truly, who's finally, my team is finally waking up. My guys are starting to play. So uh, we will get into that. What has stood out to you so far this season when it comes to we we're in weeks we're going into week six. A lot of people thought that the AFC was going to be a dominant uh, conference. It's really been the NFC, uh, the dominant conference against the AFC so far in five weeks. What has stood out to you more than anything? There's been a lot of uh, quarterbacks that have kind of stepped up and done really great from their teams, and then there's other guys that just have kind of lost it right and it's been a weird year so uh guys like Dak Prescott struggling right and then a guy like Tua stepping up and doing amazing it's just been a very strange year so you look at the running back contracts Jonathan Taylor finally got paid but there's some other guys that have been quote-unquote disgruntled that have struggled so far this year for fantasy purposes Josh Jacobs finally breaking out the last couple weeks but he was struggling Derrick Henry Saquon Barkley is obviously hurt where do you stand on a lot of these running backs that were drafted in maybe the first second round I mean, I love a guy like Bijan. I love Gibbs, but I just would never take a running back in the first round. Atlanta's still struggling. They don't have their quarterback. Uh, you just got to think that there's better investments they could have made with that pick. By the way, we are talking to co-founder of All-22 Fantasy Football, Chris Lombardi. Chris, uh, there's a lot of things that stood out going into the going into the season. In the offseason, a lot of running backs were disrespected, Saquon being one of them, Jonathan Taylor being another one. Uh, Jonathan Taylor gets this big contract uh, over, the, over the weekend, and now all of a sudden, Jim Irsay is in love with him. What were your thoughts when Jim Irsay went over there and spoke to the press and said, oh, he's special, he's this, he's that? Meanwhile, a couple of weeks ago, he was throwing him under the bus. Were we allowed to curse on this? Go ahead. Why not? It, it. it was a lot of it was a lot of horseshit, mm-hmm. right? Like it was a lot of horseshit. He uh, he pays his running back, and then his backup running back goes up for a hundred and what was it, one hundred and fifty yards? Yeah, ridiculous. something crazy and ridiculous. So, so you know, I, I get the guy needs to kind of eat it and just be a good uh, team player out there. But I would have never made that deal again. Uh, just I'm not on the running back bandwagon. I think that you got to go and find the other guys first. Uh, Anthony Richardson, yes, he looks promising. But there still are a lot of holes on that team, and you got to think that that money could have been spent better elsewhere. So in terms of uh, your Green Bay Packers, I remember you're a Packer fan, correct? I am. Jordan Love has not looked great the last couple of weeks. What have been your impressions so far of him this season? So if you know anything about All-22, we are fantasy football that includes offensive linemen. If you look at Jordan Love's performance the first few weeks, his offensive linemen were there, right? Bakhtiari was playing, and he looked 
good enough, right? He wasn't fantastic, but he looked good enough. He was getting the ball where it was supposed to go. His offensive linemen start getting hurt. Bakhtiari is now on IR, missing the, the rest of the year. And what is going to happen? He struggles, right? So I, I kind of expect those struggles to continue, but I'm hoping that this Packers organization can find a way to support him, keep him on his feet, and give him a little bit more time to throw the football. You know, Chris, the Chicago Bears threw Justin Fields under the table or whatever on the train tracks and pretty much said, you know what? He's not the future quarterback of our organization. We might be looking in the draft this offseason for the next quarterback of this organization. Meanwhile, they built the team around him. They, they went in in free agency. They went into the draft to find offensive linemen to protect this guy. They haven't done enough. The last two weeks, fantasy-wise, this guy is exploding. And this guy, to me, is one of the most elusive and more, more – overall talented quarterbacks. And now you see him have a guy like DJ Moore that he can throw to when he could figure that out. And, and with Komet and all the different weapons that he has, this team, this Chicago Bears offense could be more explosive than anybody thought. What are your thoughts with Justin Fields? Do you think he's the future of the Chicago Bears? Do you think the Chicago Bears made a mistake throwing him under the bus? So in traditional fantasy, he has exploded. In all 22, because we use PFF grading, mm-hmm. he's been about average. So... Mm-hmm. I think the statistics kind of lie, right? Which is why we kind of created this game using some different advanced numbers. Justin Fields is, uh, he's been okay, right? He's been, he has a 78 grade. It's kind of middle of the pack. Do I think he's the future of the Bears? I don't. I think that they, they built this, this kind of system around him. Yes, but they did kind of what the Eagles uh, went and did a few years ago where they went and made sure that they had this draft capital in their back pocket in case things failed. With the Eagles, things worked out, right? But that was a really well-coached team. They had a really uh, veteran-filled offensive line. They, you know, Justin Field, uh, Jalen Hurts wasn't asked to do all that much, right? The offense kind of runs really well. You could probably p- plug in 10, 15 other quarterbacks. Not that they would do as well as he d- is doing, but they do okay, right? That offense would still be successful. Justin Fields is not being given that that opportunity and that situation is not nearly as good um but they kept those draft picks and i think their whole this whole time they've been thinking we're going to replace them and i think that's what they're going to do yeah you we actually were talking about the your uh, fantasy football structure with your partner ray cotto the first time we had him on the show he was kind of <laughs> explaining that kind of thing with the fantasy football ranks and i was i was seeing something where um the number one uh, pff graded receiver as of last week was brandon Ayuk, which i don't think anyone would great think of him as a number one the number one wide receiver in the league i like him a lot but like how does that kind of rankings work and who are some of those surprise players that have gotten more benefits in your league because of that sure so uh, PFF grades every player on every play. So it's not just when they have the ball in their hands. And I think that makes a big difference, especially at a position like wide receiver. So a guy like Tyreek Hill, I think he's second or third. He's probably who you would think would be number one this year because he's been incredible, besides maybe a Justin Jefferson. Brandon Ayuk, if you've watched uh, 49ers games, he is doing an incredible job there. He's the best route runner in the, on the team, and he's one of the top route runners in the league. But one of the other things that he does is he he puts effort into every play so on plays where he needs to block, you see him blocking downfield. When he needs to get separation, he's getting that separation in a way that there really aren't many receivers that do it quite like he does. So, you know, it's different, but um, yeah, it's all part of uh, trying to find really the best players that are doing it every single play in and play out. 
We are talking to co-founder of All 22 Fantasy Football, Chris Lombardi. Jerome Ford is a guy that a lot of people picked up after losing one of the best running backs in the league for the Browns uh, for a season. That injury was just absolutely putrid. It was disgusting. And uh, thank God his career is not over. But Jerome Ford taking over. They brought in Hunt. I, I think Hunt is is done, but that's just my opinion. But Jerome Ford is a young kid. He's getting a chance, uh, obviously, the bye week for the Cleveland Browns. What are your thoughts to Jerome Ford? Why do people or why did people like Jerome Ford by picking him up after losing uh, one of the better running backs in the league? So I think it's really production based, right? That Cleveland offense produces top running backs in fantasy football. That's just fact, right? And they usually have one of the best offensive lines. Uh, Wyatt Teller, right, is one of the best guards in football. They have a lot of guys there that you'd recognize their names, um, even the casual fan. And you you lose Nick Chubb, but you plug in a guy like Jerome Ford, who, if you watched his college tape, is one of the most hard-nosed rushers that you can you can ask for, right? He might not be the best receiving back in football, but he's going to be able to run through the A gap every single time and just put just ground grind and pound, uh, ground and pound the uh, the defense. So he's a guy that's going to get you traditional fantasy points. He might get you those you know one yard line touchdowns that you look for. Um, but in our game, he has about a 65 PFF grade, which is, again, just above maybe league average. It's still useful. Um, and, uh, you know, he's a guy that I would add, but I'd just be reluctant to say that he's going to be the guy that's going to be the savior for my team. So the Minnesota Vikings now losing Justin Jefferson possibly for four to five weeks. Obviously, Kirk Cousins has been one of the top fantasy quarterbacks this year with a lot of passing volume because they haven't been able to run the ball. What do you think is the impact for the Vikings fantasy players without Jefferson, guys like Addison, K.J. Osborne, Hawkinson, et cetera? Yeah, Kirk Cousins is a pro's pro, so he's going to always do okay. He's always going to raise the bar for the guys around him. He always gets picked on as this second-tier, third-tier quarterback, but in reality, he does a really nice job. Uh, I think, yes, Jordan Addison will start doing better. There will be other guys doing better as well. But I think that offense ultimately takes a step back, along with the Vikings in general, right? They're going for maybe the number one pick right now. And there's nothing to say that Kirk Cousins is going to finish the year in, as a Viking. I know um, you guys are Jets fans, mm-hmm. right? So I'm a Giants so, fan. He's a Jet fan. <laughs> okay. So, there, you know, the rumors are already swirling that Kirk Cousins could be a replacement for Aaron Rodgers if Zach Wilson doesn't kind of continue to – do okay. Yeah, that's a story. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. As everybody knows, we are talking to co-founder All-22 Fantasy Football, Chris Lombardi. It's it's interesting, speaking about the Jets, and it, it all really for the last two weeks, people have been wondering why hasn't Brees Hall gotten the ball? And we saw what Brees Hall can do when he gets the ball, 177 yards and he had that 72-yard run uh, for for the Jets against a, a Broncos defense that's just actually putrid, and and they they can't stop the run for crap. But that's just my opinion. I mean, what has been the problem for the Jets getting him involved in your in your thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, this is this is a Jets offense that is being led by Nathaniel Hackett. Right. And uh, the story in the offseason was that Sean Payton called Hackett the worst head coach he's ever seen. Hackett is not the best coach, in my opinion. Right. Uh, He had Aaron Rodgers, a Hall of Fame quarterback for years. And the only reason he kind of got these jobs is because he had Aaron Rodgers and he had some pull to get him to where he was going. Mm -hmm. So Rodgers now going to the Jets. It seems like a good situation. I think Hackett could at least carry that forward. But now he's being asked to do it with a quarterback that's a lot younger, a lot less experienced. 
And that whole offense is really young, if you look at it. And a guy like Brees Paul, they were putting on a pitch count. Garrett Wilson, um, you know, it's kind of hasn't been doing a lot either. When he gets the ball, he does incredible. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been kind of a rough go. So the Bengals offense this year has been down. A lot of it has to do with Burrow's injury, but still, I think the coaching has been bad over there too. What do you think have been the biggest issues with them still just trying to get it going? Yeah, it's just the injury to Burrow. I don't know what's happening there, um, but you know, Burrow, the injury, uh, it, it, it's a lot to not be able to move around in the pocket. If you don't have the best offensive line, which we know Cincinnati does not, um, it's, it's going to cause problems when you are a guy that, uh, you know, needs to be able to create time. Need, he likes to throw the ball down the field to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. doesn't necessarily have time to do that with that calf injury, but he looked a lot better this week, right? That calf looked a lot better. He was able to take his time and get the ball down the field. Um, so I think there's a lot of still, you know, still still a lot of wins to get for the, for the Bengals this year. Um, we're just going to have to wait and see as that, that uh, calf heals. Chris, what is the love fest of the NFL in the Kansas City Chiefs? I mean, seriously, the Jets got screwed on Sunday night football. Everybody and their mother knows they got screwed in that game. Okay. And then this past week against, Min- I think it was Minnesota. Yep. Addison. <laughs> absolute, to me, an absolute disaster when, when you look at the NFL and what they're trying to do. They did it with the Patriots for years with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. And now all of a sudden it's Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. It, it's really, and the Swifties. Okay. I am so Tyler Taylor Swift. Please dump Travis. I was, I was actually, I, I didn't want to see Travis Kelsey out for the season, but I would have been excited if he was out for the season. So we didn't have to see Taylor Swift uh, all the way in the press boxes. So there's date somebody else. I, I mean, seriously, <laughs> I did not want to see that. It, it's, it's been pathetic. The NFL loves it because it, it brings it brings a superstar to the league and, and the love fest for it. It's just it makes me sick. What are your thoughts to it? All these guys are just trying to become celebrities, and yeah, it's it's not great, right? It's not great for the sport. They they become kind of these these divas. I think I heard you guys say that Odell Beckham's dating a Kardashian. Yeah, he is. Right? Like, yeah, he is. I, did, I didn't know that, yeah. and that's like I think it's just these guys are trying to become celebrities, right? It's what's next after football. Travis Kelsey is probably on his. Last one or oh, two. Oh, stop! Years they just want the ass. That's 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 <laughs> no. it. It's just the <laughs> ass. So. I mean, so does Mark I mean, even though Trevor Taylor Swift has no ass, I mean, she's like a flatliner. But uh, nevertheless, Kim Kardashian. I mean, how fake could an ass be? You know, <laughs> that's why Odell's jumping on it. It's like a mountain to him. So that's that loud mouth take I needed to hear. Yeah, well, you know, somebody's got to be loud. <laughs> it's, uh, obviously, we know Odell Beckham's loud on the you know in the off season, saying I'm the best. I'm still great. I'm the, I'm still capable of breaking records. The only thing you're breaking is Kim Kardashian's ass maybe, maybe with he, a nutcracker. Maybe he should go date Taylor Swift, and maybe his career will get rejuvenated. Well, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm thrown off right there. I have no well, idea what's going Kim, on. You know that Kim K sucks the life out of guys. So, you know, but you know, does she ever? going to be good for her. Does she day. ever? <laughs> <laughs> I could only wonder what she's sucking out. <laughs> maybe Odell has to go into the NBA, so at least he'll get paid a huge contract for doing absolutely nothing like Ben Simmons. Does. She's the honey dip. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> so, uh, so far, this quarterway quarterway mark of the season so far, any breakout players that you would say trade them now, sell high, maybe they'll drop off, and then the other way around, a player that's maybe struggling that you still believe in and trade for in fantasy football. So I'm a, I'm a big dynasty guy, right? So I'm like all about the future. It's not like winning in one year. And like I've been super surprised by Brock Purdy. I knew that he was good last year was promising, but for him to come back from what you know a pitcher in baseball takes a year and a half to come back from and he's performing at such a high level from a fantasy perspective 
he's a guy that I'm just like, don't sell, right? Like all these guys, like I know friends that are panicking, you know, should I sell Purdy? He's in Kyle Shanahan's office, offense. It's going to be good. Right? And his just office, by the Purdy. way. He's probably hanging out with, <laughs> right now, Kyle Shanahan drinking a couple of beers and saying, hey, you know what? We're playing Absolutely. pretty good football. I mean, honestly, I'm sorry to cut you off. I, I like what I see with Brock Purdy. He's an efficient quarterback. For anybody to say that he has been an MVP caliber quarterback is ridiculous, okay? I understand what everybody sees. I understand they love it. I understand that he kicked the living you-know-what out of the Cowboys. Good for him. I mean, nobody in the Cowboys secondary was stopping anybody. As a matter of fact, they might as well have stood in the, the end zone and just say, here, Brock, throw it to me. I mean, everybody was open. I mean, me and you could have threw the passes. He made a couple of really nice passes. There's no question that he did. But nevertheless, he didn't do he didn't do what everybody keeps saying that he did. Yes, he threw he, he threw very well and all that other stuff. The Cowboys defense just, I don't know what the hell. I think they were, you know, riding Micah Parsons, you know, behind on the sidelines. Maybe they were eating hot dogs with Mark Sanchez or something. <laughs> Who knows what they were doing? Mark Sanchez loves ass. We know that. Well, boy, oh boy, he just got married, too. <laughs> but you know yeah, what I'm talking I mean, about, Chris. I think, yeah, the Kyle Shanahan offense is one that you don't need. Uh, you don't need a guy like Trey Lance, right? That's why they got rid of him. Boy, he sucks. You don't need a guy that's creating plays on his own. You need a guy that's going to follow a script and do it well, and that's what Brock Purdy is. And that's why he's going to do fine. It's a great don't story, by the way. It is. It's a great story. It's, it's a great story. But I'm going to do one for you guys, and then I'm going to do one for me. Let's hear it. Puka Nakua is the guy that I would trade because Puka Nakua had Cooper Cup come back and I don't know if the opportunity is going to be there at the same level that it was at the beginning of the year. You know, he was a guy that was setting paces for like 2,000 yards. That's not going to happen, especially with Cooper Cutback. He's a guy that I would sell. Now, one for me, Trent Williams in all 22 is a guy that you can have on your fantasy team. He is 35 years old, and he's still performing at the highest level of any tackle in football. Mm. He has a 90 season grade in PFF, which is first among offensive tackles. Trade him. If you are a team that's not going to win this year, trade them and get a first-round pick. That is huge in all 22. And a guy like Trent Williams, again, 35 years old, he's not going to last forever. Get what you can out of him now. You sure he wasn't going to die from cancer? I mean, seriously. It's absolutely unbelievable what Washington did with that guy. This guy yeah. should have never been traded. This guy should have never been let go. This guy has been the best tackle. And by the way, I give him a lot of credit for all the things that we heard about him, that he was never going to play football again with the cancer situation, coming back and just being dominant. We, year in, year out, it, it, it's incredible. It's an incredible story. And, and, and Trent Williams is a Hall of Famer. There is not, it's not even close. He's been the best tackle in football for the last 10 seasons. So uh, it's an incredible story, and you're absolutely right. As everybody knows, we are talking to co-founder of All-22 Fantasy Football, Chris Lombardi. Talking about quarterbacks, and Jalen Hurts, he is not having the season that everybody thought he was going to have. I know it's still early. We're in week five. Uh, and the Philadelphia Eagles, even though they're 5-0, and a lot of people are questioning the team. They, maybe they're not the same team they were last year. I think they're better. I think they're just younger, and they still need to figure things out. What are your thoughts, the Eagles? Do you think Jalen Hurts is going to figure it out? Do you think Jalen Hurts is an MVP candidate by the end of the season? Yeah, I do. I do think so. And, I, it, again, it's that situation is just so easy to be successful, kind of like the uh, 
Brock Purdy situation in San Francisco. You you plug a quarterback like Jalen Hurts who can do the little things really well, but can also run and create plays on his own. And that's going to be successful on a team that has essentially everything else set up for him, right? He has two of the best receivers in the league. He's got a good tight end. He's got a good running back, but he's got an amazing offensive line in front of him. Lane Johnson, I don't think has let up a sack since 2021. It's, wow. it's, it's absurd, right? So if you look at Jalen Hurts' numbers, though, he is grading okay. It's not great. It's not the level he was last year. Last year, he was an 88.2 grade on the year. This year, it's at 76.8 right now. But again, it's early. They're a young team. They're still putting pieces together. He's going to be fine. So you look at the trade deadline. There's a lot of running backs that could definitely be traded. Maybe some wide receivers that are trying to demand new contracts. We heard the Broncos might go on a fire sale, so both of their receivers could be available. Ooh. So any uh, who wants them? Any destinations that you think will be beneficial for either the running back or the wide receiver position for fantasy purposes? God, I am such a Jerry Judy hater, and I always have. He been. stinks. I think so overrated. So is um, Sutton. They're all they're all terrible. They're, they're absolutely Sutton neutral. had a bad injury, and that kind of derailed his career. He hasn't been the same since. He he was okay. He was okay, but mm-hmm. Judy hasn't done anything right. And I think that there's all these rumors that the Broncos are going to get like a first round pick for these guys. I don't think that's realistic. I think it's more likely. What drugs are they on? I mean, seriously, (laughs) some good ones. And I I hope they share with me. Hang out with Sean Payton. He knows how to pop a Viking in. (laughs) 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 But, but if I'm anyone, the giant situation, that, that place has been awful. Sorry, sorry, PD, but Mm -hmm. it's been atrocious. Right. And to me, the biggest reason for that is the offensive line, but also there's no receivers out there, right? Like you can't go into a season in today's NFL without even a number three receiver. Like you have a bunch of guys that would be on the bench on most teams as your starting receivers. So I could see the Giants going and saying, we paid a lot of money for Daniel Jones and we're not ready to just give up on him. So if we get him a guy like, uh, I don't even want to say it, but like, I guess Judy, you have to at least say we tried. And we tried to make the situation better. But from a fantasy perspective, there's probably a lot more opportunity with the giant situation. Whatever receiver goes there, because there's just nobody else to compete with. Mm. Very interesting. What is uh, Evan Neal's PFF grade? Is it minus 28? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's bad. It's in the 40s. Oh, my God. I'm surprised it was even that generous. Do you remember an offensive lineman in the 40s? I mean, seriously. Not one that kept his job. <laughs> well, he's going to keep his job because Joe Shea might not have a job very soon. I mean, his draft classes have been absolutely putrid. I I, I was talking to Speedy, Speedy about it before the show. I said, Thibodeau has been putrid. I mean... You're talking about a guy that some people were comparing him to, you know, a Lawrence Taylor type. I mean, the guy had a contract. He was getting all these endorsements. He's working with Beats, uh, you know, Dr. Dre Beats. He had all these endorsements before he even stepped on the field. And, and I remember when they were the pre-draft, they were talking to him, and he was like, "I wanna, I wanna, I wanna stand out. I wanna be, I wanna be known as one of the greatest ever." Meanwhile, the Giants pass up on Micah Parsons, and they add a guy like like Thibodeau, who's been absolutely putrid. And Micah Parsons is is arguably the best defensive player in the league. I mean, it, it's been putrid. I, I, there's nothing that sells me if you're a Giant fan except Saquon Barkley, which, by the way, didn't get his contract in the offseason. He's laughing to the bank because why would he want to play for this team next year? If anything, he's going to be happy to get the hell out of there. Yeah, so Kayvon Thibodeau has been one of the worst run defensive edge players in football. He's a 33 uh, PFF grade at the uh, run defensive position. But he's been okay from a pass rushing perspective. He has four sacks. He has a few hurries. 
Um, but he needs to do a lot better, right? To, to live up to the fifth overall pick, he needs to do a lot better. Uh, Saquon. Saquon opened himself up to another franchise tag by taking the deal that he took. So there's a good chance he is a, he is a giant again, or at least he doesn't have control over you know, his destination because they can very well just franchise him and trade him, which would be horrible for Saquon. I hope that doesn't happen to him. Um, I hope he gets, you know, a Jonathan Taylor deal because he deserves it, right? He's one of those he's one of those few special backs in the league that really changes the Giants situation when he's on the field. I think there's some, if you look at some numbers, right? Like Daniel Jones with Saquon is like one in whatever. And then without Saquon, like he is such a better quarterback with Saquon on the field compared to when he's not. And I think that matters, right? Even though he's a running back, he's one of those special ones. All right. My last question. Uh, what was your Super Bowl pick at the start of the year? And what do you think it will be now? So, of course, I thought the Packers were going to win. But no, <laughs> I, I thought I thought it was going to be the uh, Eagles. And I thought it was going to be the Chiefs. I thought it was going to be a, a rematch. Those two teams did everything right in the offseason. Really? Um, you thought the Chiefs did everything right? Everything that they needed to do, right? Oh, my like, God. The, the wide receiving core no is different. horrible. It's putrid. It's disgusting. It was horrible last year, huh. right? It was horrible last year. Well, it better. I mean, they had Juju. They had Michael Hardman. It was better. It was better than it, than it is yes, this year. Dude, They try, there are more drops by that team than anything I've yeah. ever seen. They drop the ball That's more true. than anybody. Maybe the Giants should trade him Darius Slayton. He'll fit right in. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, but who I wants that- him? I think that now, um, I mean, you have to just look at the 49ers and say that's that's the obvious team coming from the NFC. I don't want to see it. Like, I'm kind of, like, hoping they lose. I'm kind of, you know, they kind of have that, like, that cross on their chest that I hope every team's going after them. And then I think from the AFC, it's it's a little bit more difficult this year. It's not as cut and dry as it usually is. I would love to see Miami. I don't think it's going to be Miami. I think it's likely, again, probably going to be the Chiefs. But I could see the Bills making a run for it, too. I don't know. We'll see. The bills are mine at the start of the year. So uh, one more time, we are talking to co-founder All-22 Fantasy Football, Chris Lombardi. Last question for me. I've, I obviously had the Jacksonville Jaguars going to the Super Bowl this year. They started the season 0-2, and then all of a sudden they win three in a row. They knock off Buffalo overseas, and they're starting to play good football. I still don't trust Peterson this year. Trevor Lawrence is digressed. He did play well this past week. I want to see more of Trevor Lawrence and his growth. What are your thoughts to Trevor Lawrence? Do you think he'll figure it out? Yeah, I do. I think Trevor Lawrence is a good quarterback. I don't think we have to worry about him being a kind of like a – guy that gets his career ruined because I think they've done enough to put weapons around him and build that offensive line where he'll have some stability. I think he's fine. I don't believe in the Jacksonville team though. I think that their defense is still well, I didn't rough. say I, I have them winning now. I mean, but I did pick them before the season started. I had Jacksonville and who? You had Philly. Philly. I had Philadelphia and Jacksonville in the Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I could see that in the, the offseason. Kayvon Thibodeau just hasn't done what we thought he would do. Mm. Josh Allen's been okay but they still are a few pieces away on defense. Mm, interesting. Chris, we love you, man. Keep up the good work. We'll get you on even sooner because Speedy seems to like pushing people back well, on the he, list. He did have COVID, so it was unfortunate. Oh, well, how are you feeling from COVID? Was it bad? N- not this time. It wasn't as bad, not nearly as bad, but my, my wife is actually pregnant, so I had to, oh. Like, oh, I had to go into hiding for a little while. You look so like you're I like can... 16 years old. You have a wife and your wife is pregnant. Yeah, I'm 16 with a wife and pre- a pregnant wife. How old are you anyways, Chris? I- I'm 30. Oh, you're a kid, man. You're a 
<laughs> You're young. But guys, but I, I had a great time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I definitely you know want to be back. Absolutely. Um, we got to keep talking. Keep, absolutely. Uh, go go Jets. Go Giants. Go New York football, and then go Packers. You you, you can uh, roast the Cowboys for our friend Ray Cotto. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Go I Giants. I mean, the only thing the Giants are going they're going out to the subway because that's where they're heading. I mean, seriously, <sighs> they're not winning nothing this year. I, I think the Giants are done. I think they need to put a cork in him. And, they, and, and next in the draft this coming year, draft the Penn State kid. It, it, they need to solidify that offensive line. Move Evan. I've said it. Move Evan Neal to the one of the guard positions. He can't be that bad. At least not as bad as he is at the tackle. You have Thomas come back. You have Schmidt. You have your future center there. And then you you, you kind of plug somebody in. You draft somebody in the in the third or second round, probably the third round, and put him in over there. And, and then you solidify your offensive line because this offensive line is just absolutely putrid. Everybody was talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. If he's there, I still go after the tackle if he's still sitting there. I don't go after Marvin Harrison Jr. Get T. Higgins in the offseason or Gabe Davis or get both of them and solidify that offense because that offense is just absolutely disgusting. Chris, we love you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Chris Lombardi, ladies and gentlemen, all 22 fantasy football, the co-founder, fantastic kid. Uh, His wife is pregnant. No more COVID. He's healthy. Yes. Speedy, are you healthy? Uh, I don't know. That is a determination. Why don't you tell people what kind of underwear you wear? You know, or I don't I, care. How do you what feel? Kind of underwear it, it, I do, wear. Do, does listen? And I, I'm honest with you. We we were speaking in the car. You know, I, I told you one of the worst things in the summertime is you know your balls hanging. You know what I mean? It sticks to your leg. I mean, does your balls hang? I don't. Not revealing that on. Air. I'm I'm serious. It's a good question. Yeah. It's a good question that you can poll 100 people anonymously. Uh, but I'm asking you. I mean, you're my partner here. This is very important. Does does it ever stick to your leg? Does it bother you? Does it ever stick to my leg? Yeah, your, your balls. Does it ever stick to your leg? I, maybe, but I don't Which know. Which way does it hang? I'm not right. analyzing but this. But I'm serious. It's, it's a very good massively. question. I mean, if you were an athlete, you would analyze it. I mean, what are they talking in the locker room half the okay, time? Okay, I'm not an athlete. Well, but you're, you're a radio guy, so I'm asking we're you We're completely different personalities. But I'm serious. You had your dog lick your balls, so it was... Oh, it. my God. But By you accident. did, but he still did it. So if you if you're willing to tell us about that, you might as well tell us if it hangs the left or it hangs right, and does it stick to your leg? I don't know. Mm. I, I don't go through the pattern. You know that's why I wear boxer briefs. You okay? Because I I don't want to wear boxer you know boxer shorts because they hang, and when they hang, they stick. And it bothers me. Okay. Thank you for that analysis. You're welcome. Carl says, uh, Speedy says, no one cares about his underwear, and then it's hanging from them behind him on the screen. Mm. Yes, I know you love the logo, Carl. Thank you for noting. Yeah, he does wear a small cup. Speedy doesn't have much over there. I, or, I don't know. Am I a Little League baseball player? I have to wear a cup? Well, you, you should. I mean, unless well, no, you're protect you should, yourself. No, I'm not saying Little League baseball players and hockey players. I, I don't know if else. you have anything there, so maybe you don't need a cup. It won't hit you there. I'm not a kid. But again, you might. Listen, would you play softball right now? When I play softball, no. Would you play softball? I would pitch. I wouldn't hit. I, why, why, I can't why, hit. Why, what do you mean you can't hit? It, the ball's slow. I mean, I'm, it goes up. It falls I'm into the I'm horrible as a hitter. So you have no hand-eye coordination. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah. So, but, but, I, here's my question. If you have no hand-eye coordination, how would you know? Because I've done it before. No, I'm not talking about that. How would you know if you have no hand-eye coordination, which I'm, ball I hangs know, to the left or the right? I don't know because I don't give a damn. I think you should. I think you should get a mirror, bend over, and see if which which one hangs farther. Good for you. I'm just I'm helping you. No, you're not. It's a, it's a good question, ladies and gentlemen. No, it's I've not. tried to help him here, and he doesn't want to give us answers. I am shameful that my partner doesn't want to tell us the truth. 
Yeah, good for you. Find one. If you if you care so much, you could call another show. And uh, let's if, finish up a week five. Yes, please. Mm. Before Carl uh, gives any more uh, crap about his. It underwear. is a good question, by the way. Yes, let's finish off week five before there's any other nonsense with, with this brought in. So the Cincinnati Bengals, we were talking about them earlier, they knock off the Arizona Cardinals by a final of 34-20. to 20. Finally, Joe Burrow showed up. Finally, Joe Burrow shows up 317 yards and three touchdowns in this game. Joe Mixon had a nice game as well. It took him a little while to get going, but I think he was efficient in that second half was a big part. When the Cardinals were kind of, kind of, kind of keeping it close for a while, and the, they really needed to because the defense for the Bengals still showing some leaks now, they're, uh, they only allowed 166 yards to uh, Josh Dobbs, but a lot of the other guys were able to run the ball well, and the Cardinals, I think, were very well coached in this game, but the Bengals just too much talent. I have told everybody losing Jesse Bates was going to hurt the Bengals' defense, and boy, oh boy, did it hit, did it ever. It, their defense is not good. Their secondary is putrid. Uh, Joshua Dobbs had a bad game. He, over the last couple of weeks, he's been pretty good and, and really stood out to me. 15 for 32, 166 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Wasn't enough. He didn't have a good game, but he's been impressive. He still stands in the pocket. He, he still does what you expect a good quarterback to do. I think Dobbs is a steal. I think that in the offseason, Arizona can move him. Some team could be interested as a backup quarterback in case one of their star quarterbacks get hurt. Uh, he's been really, really efficient. Rondell Moore, three carries. Uh, yes, Rondell Moore was running the ball. Three carries, 50 yards. James Conner, six carries, 46 yards. And Marquise Brown, four Reception, 61 yards and one touchdown. Rondell Moore, again, three receptions, 26 yards. I, I think he needs to run the ball more than throw the ball. I mean, catch the ball because he can't catch for crap, but that's just my opinion. Uh, they didn't do much, and as far as the offense concern for the Bengals, boy, oh boy, Joe Burrow actually woke up. 36, 36 for 46, 317 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Joe Mixon, 25 carries for 81 yards, 3.24 in average, which is pretty damn good. Uh, at least better than what he's done over the last couple of weeks. Jamar Chase, 15 receptions, 192 yards, and three touchdowns. Finally, he had a good game. He's, is he worth $150 million? No. He needs to prove more. Uh, and uh, T. Higgins is not healthy right now, so uh, he didn't really show up in the game. So, um, Really, it was the Bengals, Bengals, Bengals. They need to wake up. They need to play better football if they plan to win their division. All right. Speaking of a team that is playing good football, the Detroit Lions dominated against the Carolina Panthers 42-24. to They had Noah Monroe St. Brown and still put up 42 points in this game. Jared Goff, like we were talking about earlier, Fantastic. Still, still playing a really good game. David Montgomery might be the free agent steal this offseason. He's been, been telling everybody Chicago made a mistake. Yep. Sees what, you see what happens when uh, David Montgomery has a great offense the line to play in front of him. He looks like one of the best running backs in the league, and he's been that way this he's season. He's been one of them, yeah. Sam Laporta continues to be a rookie sensation at tight end. He had two touchdowns in this game. It's my guy, baby! Uh-huh. It's my guy. A lot of a lot of guys like you that drafted him late are getting the benefits of a Well, I got him in the sixth round. I think it was. Well, a you have a longer, larger league, but yeah. like for a twelve-team league, most people will get him in the ninth or tenth round, probably. Mm-hmm. That we're drafting a rookie tight end. It's a gamble of rookie tight ends. The Lions' defense continues to be very strong. Still, I was worried about them being having issues with their interior defensive line, issues with corners, and they've continued to do well in both those areas despite having injuries and despite having these issues. And they're the number one run defense in the league. Uh, Bryce Young looked a little better for Carolina, but still not where you want him to be yet. Still had a couple bad interceptions. His touchdown passes on intermediate uh, deep balls were very good, though. And I think that's an area he's growing. I think Chicago loves the fact that Carolina keeps losing because they're they're right now. If if the season were to end, I think they would be drafting one and two. Yes, they are. It's crazy. They could get the quarterback that they want, 
And they could get the wide receiver that they want, Marvin Harrison Jr., whatever. If they want a wide receiver, maybe they get the tackle and, and solidify that offensive line. I have no idea. But nevertheless, Bryce Young didn't have one of those crazy games. He was 25 for 41, 247 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. He's throwing too many interceptions. Maybe because of his size, maybe he can't see over the offensive line. He's making a lot of mistakes. I heard a lot of people say that he's one of the smarter quarterbacks, but he hasn't been smart with the ball. Uh, Miles Sanders had a good week last week. Not such a good week this week. Seven carries for 32, 32 yards. Uh, uh, Hubbard had nine carries for 35 yards. They're not running the ball good enough. Adam Thielen, again, had a big week. He could be a trade target for a lot of teams if they need a wide receiver. 11 receptions, 170 yards, and one touchdown. He's been s- sensational. Uh, Jonathan Mingo actually showed up this week. Five receptions, 48 yards. Speedy loved him. I, I, I don't know what's going on with him. Maybe he just doesn't have chemistry with Bryce Young. Uh, Jared Goff, 20 for 28, 236 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. That's sh- that really stands out uh, over the last couple of years with Jared Goff, who made a lot of mistakes when he was with the Rams. Uh, David Montgomery, 19 carries, 109 yards, one touchdown, 5.74, an average. Uh, they, they did, Even Craig Reynolds, seven carries, 52 yards, and one touchdown. Uh, Josh Reynolds, again, had a big game, another big target for a guy like Jared Goff. Four receptions, 76 yards, and one touchdown. He's been the number one target right now for Jared Goff. And if you have him in your fantasy league, start him every week because he's going to give you points. Um, and Sam Laporta, again, three receptions, 47 yards, and two touchdowns. Red zone phenomenon. He is a beast and a great blocker. Love the Lions. Four and one, dangerous as ever. Could be the best team in the NFC Conference. Yes, you heard it from me. They could be better than San Francisco and Philadelphia. If they figure out certain aspects of this offense when they get healthy and Williams comes back, they could be very, very explosive. Philadelphia, speaking of them, they win against the L.A. Rams in a game that was much lower scoring than expected. 23-14, to 14, they win this one. Jalen Hurts, I expected him to run a lot more. He ran a lot more in this game. 15 carries, 72 yards, and a rushing touchdown in this game. And against that uh, Rams front, which besides Aaron Donald, they don't have a lot. Good matchup for them to expose. DeAndre Swift, uh, 70 yards was pretty effective as well. Dallas Goddard finally breaking out. That's a good sign for the Eagles. They've, he's had a slow start to the season in this new offensive scheme, but he played very well in this game as well. And this defense, this pass rush showing why they are as lethal as they are. I think Philadelphia is going to get better. As you heard our, our guest, Chris Lombardi, say that Jalen Hurts will be an MVP candidate. Uh, 25 for 38, 303 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He had a good game. He made a mistake. He threw the ball away. But nevertheless, uh, he ran the ball very well. 15 carries, 72 yards, one touchdown. You're getting 72 yards from a quarterback. You have a very good chance to win. DeAndre Swift, uh, 17 carries, 70 yards. He needs to do more. Kenneth Gainwell needs to do more. Seven carries, 17 yards. This is this is a run first, throw second team. Uh, A.J. Brown was fantastic. I told everybody, you need A.J. Brown. Finally, he's showing up week in and week out, and they're throwing him the ball. Six reception, 127 yards. Dallas Goddard, uh, eight receptions, 117 yards. I love what this offense can do if they figure things out, and if this defense can play as well as they did last year. Uh, they're 5-0, and but the defense still needs to wake up. Matthew Stafford uh, had another good week. 21 for 37, 222 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Kyron Williams, uh, he's been fantastic week in and week out. This past week, 13 carries for 53 yards. It's not. It's really not enough. And Cooper Cup shows up again. Cooper Cup delivers. Eight receptions, 118 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, like you said, Puka, uh, seven receptions, 71 yards, one touchdown. I, I still think he's going to be explosive. I disagree with Chris Lombardi. I, I would not trade him for nothing. Uh, so that's just my opinion. Nevertheless, uh, Philadelphia is 5-0, and and they head to play the Jets. And hopefully the Jets could... Uh, 
show up this week and shut down the Philadelphia Eagles. All righty. So we'll recap the last three after we get our second guest on. Yeah, why don't we go to a quick break. When we when we come back, we'll be talking to Sports Illustrator, alldolphins.com publisher, Alan Pupar, our friend here on the Sports Line Mouth. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Put the number. This is the Sports Loudmouths. Six three one six seven two thirty one zero eight is the number to call. You're listening to the Sports Loudmouth. Yes, I am the Loudmouth. Speedy is my co-host slash producer. He's a nut job too. Don't get it twisted. Uh, he doesn't want to answer any silly questions on the show. Well, that's just shame on him. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including The Loudmouth, which actually airs every Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. This week, it's my girlfriend's birthday. We're not doing a show Wednesday, so here we are. We are here with Mr. Pupar. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the last time we had this guy in the show, I attacked him. I tried very hard to make my points. And I, I, want, I want to apologize to him. We are now talking to Sports Illustrated, alldolphins.com, publisher, Alan Pupar. Alan, what's up, man? Why am I back on if you attack me? I forget. Well, I attacked you when we went back and forth with the Kachuk deal with the Florida Panthers. You don't remember that? I, I don't, and considering how much I like the trade at the time, I'm going to guess I got an apology coming. Yes, I want to <laughs> apologize to you. I'm giving you my apology. I don't usually oh. do this on live radio, but my apology to you that you were actually right about. Matthew Kachuk, he had a sensational year. I thought it was better in the playoffs, and he really – I think he transitioned that team. He really took that team to that next level in the playoffs. He gave him that meanness, that rugged – player that you need on your team and a guy that could put the puck in the net. So I apologize to you. I, I don't know why, but well, I do know why. I just, you know why you, I <laughs> listen, you're right. Okay. You were right no, about no, it. Yeah. No apologies. Just say you were right. You were right about that. You were right about that. I don't know about everything else, but anyways, why don't we get into it? Because uh, you are writing for the dolphins and the dolphins have been spectacular. I mean, McDaniels has been, as good of an offensive coordinator as, as we've seen as a youngster, as a guy that – he's the weirdest person I've ever seen, okay? He doesn't say much, and when he does, I scratch my head on some of the things that he says. But nevertheless, the guy is a genius. He's funny. He's quirky. Uh, he stands on a stepping stool when he's talking to the, the press, which is so funny. Uh, he's like Mighty Mouse. What are your thoughts to McDaniels as a, as a coach and as, as an offensive guru? Hey, not that short. I mean, he's not, not big. He's not that short. Um, he's not big. I mean, he's five six, no, five no, seven. No, he's not big. He was a wide receiver at Yale. He didn't play. He didn't play any other position. Um, what do I think about him? I I, I said this last year. I don't recall what, what time I was on. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy is like an offensive mastermind. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole thing with him is even when he was in San Francisco, the whole thing he had was like the running game guru and all of that, which was all great and dandy. When when he got here, not long after he got hired, they acquired Tyree Kill because. He wanted a bag of cash and the Chiefs didn't want to give it to him. And, you know, the Dolphins were willing to do that. And once he got Tyreek, it was like, okay, running game, we'll put that to the side a little bit because I think I'm going to do something else with it. And the, the play calling is is brilliant. The scheme, first of all, they have the fastest offense ever in the history of the NFL. Um, and the way, he's, the way he schemes it uh, and the play calling and all that, it's, it's genius. 
Yeah, I wanted to admit, I saw on your Twitter, I, I, you were having uh, some re, uh, quote tweets, some guys that were saying, oh, is this going to be the best offense in the NFL? Because record setting wise, like it was right with the greatest show on turf at the time. And I think they just surpassed it this week, obviously playing against my New York Giants and they absolutely obliterated that. But uh, what were some of those uh, arguments that you were having with uh, like not being the best offense in ML- NFL history, temper your expectations type thing? No, the whole thing is is on the All Dolphin podcast, my my co-host, Omar Kelly, who might be a tad more prone to hyperbole than I am. Group 5 game is the best offense in NFL history, and they're going to continue that, and they'll be the best offense in NFL history. Mm. And I was like, at the time, okay, can we, can we simmer down a little bit? Um, and, I, and my point is, let's see them have a big game against a really, really good defense, because... The thing is, their numbers have been skewed by what they did against Denver in week three when they went 70 to 20 and had 627 yards. That kind of skewed everything else, which is it's given them the record number of yards through five games, lead the NFL, and they're number one in every category by a lot. Um, but the fact, I mean, it's going to be a great offense regardless. It's the fastest offense I've ever seen. Before we call them the, the best offense in NFL history, when we let the season play out, that was all I was thinking. And of course, and and some Dolphin fans were on Omar's side because fans will be fans, and they don't like the fact that I'm saying, "Can we see them do this against a great defense?" Not necessarily 70 to 20, but like two <laughs> good defenses they played have been Buffalo and New England. They won those games. Sorry, they they won against New England 24-17, and they lost at Buffalo 28-48-20. Now they weren't horrible, and they weren't like completely shut down, but they weren't like 99 Rams or. 98 Minnesota Vikings or 2007 Patriots or 2013 David Broncos. I like it at the end of the year. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I like your Montreal Expos hat, by the way. It looks really good. You did wear that last time. I I do. I I do like it. I I do. I'm not going to lie to you. We are talking to Sports Illustrated, alldolphins.com publisher, Alan Pupar. You know, Alan and me have our, you know, we've have our differences when we've had him on the show, but uh, you know, he he's got a good personality. He knows how to take it, baby. Um, there is a guy that I disagree with McDaniel's in the beginning of the season not starting him. Uh, Mostert, he's he's a good running back, but this kid at Chain is, um, he's been fantastic, and uh, he came from Texas A and M. A lot of people thought that he was a steal when they where they got him, and this guy has been as explosive as Tyreek Hill the last couple of weeks. I uh, he did get hurt, but nevertheless, he's so fun to watch. What are your thoughts to the kid? Dude's fast, man. Dude's fast. It's like and. That's what that whole team is. It's fast on top of uh, fast. He's a chain of reaction, okay? How about that? I like that. You like that right there? I'll allow it. I'll allow it. You can use (laughs) that for your show, and you give me credit for it, okay? I don't know if I go that far, but... (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) He doesn't want to give me any credit now, but thank you. No problem. Um, Well, part of the reason he didn't start was he also got hurt in the preseason finale. Um, and he was, and he was recovered by the time of the regular season, but he didn't start. He was inactive actually for the first game and was part of it. Maybe that he would, the Dolphins wanted to make sure he was a hundred percent. Was it part of it? He's just a rookie and it's a complicated offense. They want everybody to know everything everywhere. And you mentioned Mostert's very, very good. I mean, it's, and Mostert's fast too, by the way, he's not a chance fast or Tyreek fast, but he's fast. And you look at the chart of an, in the next gen stats, the fastest times, clocked throughout the season and seven of the top nine are dolphin players. Um, and Jalen Waddle's not included in, in that. And we all know Jalen Waddle's fast. So it's just, it's crazy. And then 
you watch him go, and then the first time he emerged, it was like he was, he was okay in training camp, but you know how training camp is. The practice is mm-hmm. in completely full speed. They don't really tackle. So you see a lot of times where either guys, you don't see like the full effect of a player's speed in training. You just don't. Um, so it's like, okay, he's a great prospect at Texas A&M. Don't know exactly what we have yet. And then now it's like, whew, another ridiculously fast guy. <laughs> That's a good way to put Poof. it. Poof! Poof! Yeah, that sounds like the Dolphins. That's offense. perfect for you. Uh, Allen, poof, poopar. That's, I like that. You know, I, they like poof, you know? You like that? No, not that one, no. Allen, <laughs> Allen you got to give me credit on something here, man. I gave you the other one. No, you didn't. You said I'm not going to give you that much credit for that. I mean, come on. I told you I'd allow the other one. No, you allowed it, but you didn't give me much credit for it. <laughs> Uh, you, want to, you have to earn uh, it, man. Uh, yeah. I think I'm earning a lot of things here. I'm giving you, you know, a good nickname here. I, poof, let's call you Poof. There he goes. Uh, Alan, and he's Poof. He's here, right? Speedy, you like that? Uh, I'm somewhere in between. Yeah, of yeah, I don't think Speedy likes it either. Ah, uh, Speedy, Speedy's, you know, he takes every guest side over mine, so whatever. Anyways. He's just bitter about the Giants is what the problem is. Well, he should be bitter. Sorry, I mean, Speedy. believe me, I had I had you guys beating us 38 to 20, so <laughs> I'm not surprised by any means. I had 34-13. I actually wound up being pretty close. Yeah. So uh, on the defensive side of the ball for the Miami Dolphins, obviously Vic Fangio comes in after they had Josh Boyer for a long time as the defensive coordinator last year, and a lot of Dolphins fans were blaming him for the reasons they almost missed the playoffs. So what have been your impressions so far with this defense? Obviously, they traded for Jalen Ramsey. He hasn't played yet, but uh, still some issues in the secondary. What are your thoughts on that? It's not been great. I mean, be very honest with you, but the thing is, it's kind of easy to excuse considering the, the way the offense has been performing. But the problem is, is that because of Vic Fangio's resume, the, and all, there are a lot of big names on defense, Jalen Phillips, Xavier Howard, uh, Jalen Ramsey, you mentioned even though he's sidelined. Um, Christian Wilkins, Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips. I think, and when you bring in Vic Fangio with his resume, the expectation is snap your finger, they're top 10 defense. Hasn't panned out that way. And part of the frustration is his system is built on bend but don't break, play really soft coverage, give everything up in front of you, but try to create turnovers and make the other team have to drive the field. Well, they're giving up yardage. And they, they, they haven't been great defensively. And at some point, they're going to have to be because the offense, chances are they're going to have to be able to perform the way it has every weekend. Buffalo, I mean, Josh Allen let him up. They had zero answers for Josh Allen. Allen, they put up a 70 mark against the Broncos, embarrassed the Broncos and Sean Payton. And then the week after, they get embarrassed by the Buffalo Bills. I this is a, this is a team. I still think Miami is the most explosive team in the AFC East. I think there are three teams in the AFC East that I, I know the Jets with Zach Wilson being there. A lot of people aren't going to pick them to win the division, but they still could. Their their defense is that good. They're the best red zone defense in football right now, and they can run the ball. If Brees Hall can you know do what he did uh, against the Broncos, they could be really really explosive. What were your thoughts after knocking off the Broncos the way they did and then getting embarrassed by the Buffalo Bills the week after? Well, my thought is that Buffalo is still the team to beat in the AFC East. And then in that game, they lost Davis White. And then the week after, they lost Matt Milano and Daquan Jones. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, it's like, can't keep that take, taking that many hits 
on your defense. The reason what separated Buffalo from the rest of the division to me was the fact that they were equally good on offense and defense. Well, that defense is, I mean, that's just too many hits. And Milano's huge. That's a huge loss. Um, so now I see the Dolphins, and the Dolphins have had their injuries, except that nobody's like fought for the year. And the Jets are taking hits all over the place and on their offensive line. I, I, I'm kind of like with you that the Jets could be a factor if Zach Wilson wakes up. up. <laughs> wakes up. Well, but the problem is, is their offensive line keeps falling apart now. They, they lost uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, but they, they still have Tipman. He looks like he's a player. I mean, uh, Becton is healthy. They still have Lincoln Tomlinson. So they, they, they need to figure out what they're doing at the tackle. I did hear that they reached out to uh, Lionel Collins. Uh, oh, agent. yeah. Right. <laughs> I did hear that. Hey, listen, it, Lionel Collins is a successful tackle. Even if you move him there, he's better than what they have right now. And Max Mitchell did play well uh, taking over. I know it was just the Broncos, but he did play well last week. So we'll see what Max Mitchell could do. He did play his, very well his rookie season before uh, he had that problem. So. Yeah, no, I, I, I think they could make the playoffs, but I, I think the Dolphins clearly is a, have to be the favorite. Oh, no question. Because because of I wouldn't have said that before of all the hits that Buffalo's defense has taken. Mm-hmm. So what about in the whole AFC? Who do you think are the biggest threats to the Dolphins right now? Well, it's the Chiefs, and it's uh, as a – um, You mean NFL, the NFL team of the century? Give me a break. Oh, dude – you and you and I are gonna be are gonna be on the same page here. We're simpatico here because I'm a sufferer of C, CFS. It's 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 absolutely disgusting what they did to the Jets. It's absolutely disgusting what they did to Minnesota this past week. And the NFL just sits there and laughs because all they care about is Patrick Mahomes going to another Super Bowl and sitting there. And, ha, 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 ha. We've got the guy that's going to fill in for Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. It's it's disgusting what the NFL and the NFL needs to do something because it's not just the Jets complaining about it. Minnesota complained about it this week. Now all the players throughout the league is complaining about it. Something needs to be done with this because Travis Kelsey gets hurt. Everybody thought, oh, no more of this stupid Swifty bull crap. And then all of a sudden he comes back and scores a winning touchdown and then a play that cost, you know, cost the Minnesota Vikings a chance to win the game and tie the game was despicable. Absolutely despicable. And the NFL should be disgraced for it. Just sorry. I'm just going to say that. I think you, you need to learn how to express your emotions a little bit more. Well, you want me to scream? You <laughs> want me to scream? This thing of keeping your your you know your 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 anger inside. You want me? Listen, you obviously haven't listened to the show the whole show because if you did, I'm, I'm playing with you, man. I know. <laughs> listen, listen. I got this dust. This this little gas thing that cleans dirt right over here. We call it the electronic uh, compressing dust buster over here. I spray it and I use it. You know, when Speedy's farting, I just you know. Maybe just... maybe, maybe you should spray it at Evan Neal. Maybe he'll play better. Oh, anyway. True. I started to mention I'm mm-hmm. a sufferer of CFS, mm-hmm. which is Chiefs Fatigue Syndrome. Mm-hmm. Okay, So trust me, I, I'm with you on that. And we're at the stage, and you're probably old enough to remember this, where it seems that every big call in a key game goes in their favor, just like it did when Tom Brady and the Patriots were 100%. winning every year. 100%. It's completely, I'm with you. It's completely nauseating. And... I, I they they showed the replay of I didn't see the game live, but they showed the replay of of the non-call in fourth and twelve. The the wide receiver Jordan Addison really comes out. Really, I mean, he comes out of his break. The guy's got two hands on his jersey like this. How the hell is he not at the least defensive holding? Mm-hmm. They call nothing. Turnover on down. Um, no, it, it, it it's nauseating. And the thing with Jawan Taylor earlier, like in the 
in the opener where he's lining up like I don't know, good good two yards be, behind his other guys. Yeah, no, I mean, but yes, they're gonna they're the factor uh, in the AFC. If if the Baltimore receivers ever learn how to catch a pass, the the Ravens could be dangerous. Well, why don't they play Kim Kardashian? I know she, she might be a free agent. You know. She's still dating Odell Beckham. If she ever becomes available, you stick her on, you pull her pants down, and everybody will, you know, everybody will be shocked. So it'll open up the field for everybody else. What do you think? Damn, where the hell did that come from? Um, what do you mean where it came from? Is Odell Beckham not dating Kim Kardashian? I, I wasn't aware of that. I'm I, sorry. I'm not. I'm not up on my. Oh, I need to help you here, man. I'm going to help you. You know. Do you know Matthew Kachuk is dating a movie star too? So I did not know that. Who's yeah. he dating? I forget her name. She she's a soap opera. You know, a soap opera. She's a TV star. I'm sorry. Soap. She's dating some soap opera girl. So good for him. Good for him. Good for him. Yeah. You know, shake, shake, shakes the Nora. Yeah. <laughs> good for him. <laughs> is that the way you're going to do it now? For uh... hey, listen. I mean, I met both of them. I met Brady and I met him. I mean, they're not the nicest guys. That's for sure. Keith, Keith is not nice either. So I met all three of them. I was at Brady Kachuk's draft. I was over there. I, I had a, a conversation with Keith for about two seconds. And he told me, not right now. I, I want, I, me and my sons need to take a picture. And then when we went upstairs, his wife and his sister was more nicer than the two boys. They're both, uh, to me, I think they're both idiots. That's just that's just me, but that's you know that's all I've learned from the Kachuk family. And then I was at the Stanley Cup Finals when St. Louis won the Stanley Cup. By the way, I was on the ice, and Keith Kachuk also gave an attitude. I did interview him, but he gave an attitude before we can even give him an interview. He's such a pain in the ass. Don't ask me this, and don't ask me that. How about I just shove this compressing air up your ass? Okay, couldn't stand him either. But that's just me. Anyways, go back. I was gonna say this site. This site is, says that uh, Matthew Kachuk is da- is, is dating uh, Ryan Getzlaff. Sister, actually. oh, that's oh, oh, okay. So he, he jumped ship, he jumped ship from one to another. There he goes. Paige gets laugh. There you go. So that, that must have been recent because, yeah, May as of May. Yeah, see, so he, he was dating some soap opera girl when that was going on. So he, he saw he, the, the page gets left. Saw, oh, this is the furthest that my, my any hockey player has gone since uh, my brother did uh, 16 years ago. He has more, more success than the Anaheim Ducks. Hall of Famer gets off his, uh, yeah, I know. Hall of Famer, the, yeah. They, they were like, they were like so stuck in the conference finals forever, they couldn't get over the hump in the Stanley Cup well, to get there for a while. He played all those years with Anaheim, you know, so yeah, he was good. I like it, he was good. No, no. It was good. It was good. <laughs> so I want to ask about the uh, the trade deadline coming up for the Miami Dolphins. Any players or positions you would target? Mm, oh, they're still light on the defensive line. I think that would be one place they would go. But again, it's going to depend on who's available. I know, like, probably Denver is going to make everybody available. But who do you want on that team? Mm. They're not trading Patrick Sertain too. Um, and that defense, which I saw firsthand in Week Three, was whew, bad. <laughs> I mean, 17 degrees of bad. So I don't know if you'd want anybody off of that. Um, who else might want to trade players? Carolina. Would Carolina want to trade Brian Burns, considering they're going nowhere? Dolphins have edge defenders. They need, they need like big bodies in the middle of the defensive line. I don't know if there's going to be that kind of guy available. Um, Derek Brown is on the Panthers the same, same. There were a lot of trades last year at the trade deadline. A lot of good ones. So anything's possible. And teams yeah. are going to be sellers. You know, so uh, being that, well, how many weeks left until the trade deadline? It's week nine, so this is week six. So we have three more weeks. Yeah. 31st is the trade deadline. 
Yeah, so it's close. It's around the corner. So Halloween trade deadline, very interesting. Mm-hmm. What about Derek Brown though for the Panthers? Because you said they need interior. Would that be an option? You think? Uh, it would be more. It would be more along the line. They they can't. They don't want to take on like a big contract because they got a whole lot of, of contract work to do next offseason as it is. So uh, mm-hmm. be more learn of, in terms of depth pieces what they would get. We are talking to Sports Illustrator, alldolphins.com publisher, Alan Pupar. Last question for me, my friend. Uh, the Dolphins, like you said, are the team now to beat in the AFC East. And you say the only team that's going to challenge them uh, in the AFC is the Kansas City Chiefs. Who do you think in the NFC stands out the most that could go to the Super Bowl right now? And uh, please don't say San Francisco. <laughs> please, come on, please. There, there's one obvious answer, and, and I can't use it. By the way, I didn't say I didn't say that Casey's the only team that can challenge the Dolphins because I, I they're the main they're the main challengers as, as it looks right now. Baltimore could could get there again if they get receivers. The Kim Kardashian joke aside. Um, Outside of that, I think still, still think Jacksonville has, has a lot more left and a lot more meat on that bone. I picked uh, Jacksonville to go to the Super Bowl so, before the season started. So yeah, I, I thought they'd be better. Than, they'd be better in so the far, but um, in the NFC, okay, yeah, I can't use San Francisco. Then yeah, it's the Eagles. I'm not a I'm not a Cowboys believer in the least, uh, and the Eagles are just so damn good on both lines of scrimmage that that always is going to make him. I got. I had before the season started. I had Jacksonville and the Philadelphia Eagles going to the Super Bowl this year. I might have to change, but Jacksonville's starting to play, and they beat the Buffalo Bills in London. So I want to see more of that, and uh, maybe a little bit more of Trevor Lawrence. Uh, maybe he needs to just cut the hair. Okay, that's that's just my opinion. Now, now, now it sounds like it's it, the what, you, what you're saying about all the Mets pitchers, and all the Mets pitchers besides Degrom got worse. Well, they all cut their hair. I guess you're right. They Every time their elbow because their hair's too long. Well, that's I true too. Well, that's true too. I mean, you technically can tackle by the hair is uh, a lot of guys have learned uh, as wide receivers and running backs, but I don't know mm. if anyone's going to tackle Trevor Lawrence's hair. I don't think so either. <laughs> it would be, you, you could use it as a weapon. You can, no, you can. Yeah, anything that, any accessory battery part like thing can be tackled. Do you yes, remember you when ta- Troy Palomalo put like insurance on his hair? Yes. <laughs> like a $4 million policy on his hair. That was pretty funny, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I love him. Troy, Troy, I, we definitely got to get Troy Palomalo on this show. I, I love him. He is so funny. And I still see him on the head and shoulder commercials. Of course. It's so funny. It is still so funny. I, I, so my last question, I, I know you don't cover the Panthers anymore, but any, expectations for them this year, and what was the Stanley Cup run like, your experience with it? <sighs> what a blast. That was, that was so much, especially the Boston series, the first round. That was such an amazing series. Um, the way they came back, starting in, in – Starting in Game Five with an overtime goal by your friend Matthew uh-huh. Kachuk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, completely amazing. Um, and then they and then they had nothing. They, they, Vegas was going to be a major challenge to begin with, and then Kachuk like fractures his sternum for Christ's sake, and then and then they were done. Um, I think this year they, they're going to be life and death just to make the playoffs. Uh, East, the division's not easy. Eastern Conference is tough. I think Tampa Bay losing Vasilevsky for for you know for months that's gonna hurt mm-hmm. brings them down a little bit but yeah it's but once they get into the playoffs if they get good Bobrovsky again they're more built to win the playoffs because of the the acquisition of Kachuk and the fact that they've just made completely remade the makeup of the team and then more into a more gritty team. Well, my friend, we really appreciate you joining us. I thought you weren't going to pop in. You really upset me. I thought you were just uh, 
You didn't want to argue with me, but uh, I was pouting. I was pouting for a little bit. Oh, I, 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 are you pouting or are you planning? <laughs> oh, I thought he said putting. Well, was he putting? Is that what he was doing? You were playing golf. He was pouting. That's pouting, what he was doing. See, yeah, yeah, he was trying to be funny. Over there. My humor, my humor doesn't go. No, it's it's okay. Under your style humor, apparently. Well, you know. What? Don't worry. As long as you make Errol earn it when he tries to make the jokes. Listen, I don't try to make the jokes. I do make the jokes, my friend. I don't earn anything. Make I him earn it. it. That's right. Make me earn it. I make mean, him earn it. Make me earn it, Hermit. Anyways, <laughs> thank you, my friend, for joining us. You're fantastic. I I, I read a lot of your stuff and. Uh, you're you're a very interesting fellow, that's for sure. But uh, I love what you're doing with the Dolphins, and 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 obviously keep up the good work with your podcast and everything that you're doing with Sports Illustrated. Um, you're fantastic. Oh, very kind of you to say. Yeah, and I everybody check out the All Dolphins podcast. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, we were just talking to Sports Illustrated, AllDolphins.com publisher Alan Pupar. So, you know. Oh, poof. You know, can we call him poof? He didn't like the poof, remember? Yeah, like poof. He's here. You know, he just popped right in. I like it. Hey, poof, poof, he's gone. Poof, he's gone. Now you could say that because he's gone. <laughs> he didn't like the poof. I like it. I'm going to call him poof. I know you did, but he didn't like it. Poof, so. papar, papar. You know, poof. You know? Uh, yeah, you explained it to him five times, and he said, I like it. You, I, I don't know how you don't like it. You're an idiot, okay? I, it's I, his name. I will let him make the decision. I, I Listen, it. Somebody has a nickname. He can't make the decision. Just like I gave you the nickname Speedy Beedy. It, it's my decision on what I want to give you. And you must listen to it. You know why? Because I'm the boss on this show. That's why. Well, he's our guest, so he didn't oh, like it. Oh, he loves it. He loves it. Alan, you know I love you. And you can thank him after the show. Anyways, are you ready to finish so we can get a little baseball? In? Yes. Uh, so we'll do uh, the last of the do it quick. A couple yeah. four o'clock games, and we got the uh, the Sunday night Bob blowout. So we'll still mm. go to the New York Jets and the Denver Broncos, thirty-one to twenty-one. Mm. Like you said, Brees Hall had a phenomenal beastly, game. phenomenal game. They finally took him off a quote-unquote pitch count. Good job, Nathaniel Hackett, because natty, natty, natty. Nathaniel Hackett had to win it. Against Sean Payton, who was uh, taking shots at him. And, yes, he had his own uh, blunders in this game. Some of the play calls I don't think were great, but it was good enough against that Broncos defense. And I thought he was able to still spread the ball around nicely. Tyler Conklin had a nice game. I think even using the tight ends in the second half, rotating them was a, was a big part for that. And the Jets' defense continues to show, even without DJ Reed, how good they can be. And even over the middle of the field, they were very They were fantastic. Yeah. They have to figure out what they're doing with Michael Carter in the offseason because teams are going to be lining up to sign him. He's the best nickel uh, corner in the league. It's not even close. Uh, and he changes that defense with DJ Reed in that defense. They, If they, ski, they sneak into the playoffs, nobody's going to want to play them. That defense is, is for real. And they're finally starting to click. C.J. Mosley is an all-pro player right now. He's all over the place, tackling all over the place. A lot of that. Quincy Williams could be an all-pro player this yeah. year. He's been fantastic. Uh, Sauce is, hasn't given up a touchdown yet this year. Uh, it, it tells you what they are. And, and Sauce got hurt, and he still came back. Zach Wilson, 19 for 26, 199 yards, 99 yards, and one touchdown. Brees Hall, 22 carries, 177 yards, one touchdown, 8.05 in average. Uh, Zach Wilson actually ran the ball, not backwards. Uh, three carries, 20. 26 yards. Dalvin Cook needs to do more. Six carries, 23 yards. Get Michael Carter out of here. He's horrible. Tyler Conklin really stood out. That catch at the end of the game in the fourth quarter that really set the Jets up very, very well. Uh, four receptions, 67 yards. Uh, Garrett Wilson, three 
receptions, 54 yards. They got to get Garrett more involved in the offense. And Alan Lazard, uh, three receptions, 33 yards. There were stories coming out that the Jets are looking to move Mikko Harmon. So I guess they gave up on Mikko Harmon just as fast as <laughs> they gave back to the Chiefs. <laughs> Maybe. That makes sense. Uh, Russell Wilson, uh, 20 for 31, 196 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, did not have a good game, even though he didn't throw an interception. Uh, they couldn't run the ball. McLaughlin, nine carries, 68, 68 yards, no touchdowns. Russell Wilson, seven carries, 49 yards. He did run the ball pretty well. Piran was putrid, six carries, 22 yards. Uh, that was a horrible signing in the offseason. And uh, even though Piran actually caught the ball, uh, four receptions, 73 yards, Judy didn't do enough. Uh, Nobody did nothing. Cortland Sutton, uh, Cortland Sutton had one, ca- one one reception, 13 yards. Not good enough. And Marvin Mims, who has been good the last two weeks, one reception, four four yards. He had a negative two almost the whole game. Almost the whole game. And I, he had a fumble on special teams. <laughs> I mean, the Jets played well, and, and that's why they won. Yeah, sorry, John Dingle. In the fourth quarter, in the second half, they played well. Their defense was was absolutely shut down in the second half. Sorry, John Daigle. I might have to give up on Marvin Mims soon. <laughs> they got to figure out what they're doing in the first quarter. They have been horrible in the first quarter against teams. If they could figure out the first quarter and they could play a full four-quarter game week in and week out, the Jets are going to be dangerous. All right. The Kansas City Chiefs 27-20 over the Minnesota Vikings, but not without some controversy as Jordan Addison should have Boy. been uh, called uh, against him for pass interference on the defensive back Sneed in the end zone. Definitely costly. It looked even more obvious than the sauce one, too. Now, would they have won the game? That was 450 to go, but they would have at least tied it. We definitely would have given him a shot because Addison did play well in that game, too, when Jefferson was limited. Even before the injury, he was definitely limited by Spagnolo. You saw him take the game plan of, uh, like they do against the Bengals, kind of containing Jamar Chase after Jamar Chase had that 250-yard game the round before. In the playoffs, they stopped him, but the Vikings are able to spread around to everyone else. The problem is they still have not been able to run the ball, and Alexander Madison nor Cam Akers have taken over. Let me tell you something. Patrick Mahomes is overrated this year, okay? 31 for 41, 281 yards, two touchdowns. Honestly, he shouldn't be an MVP candidate because he hasn't had a good season. Two has been better. Cousins has been better. I mean, everybody's been better. Even Purdy's been better, honestly. Wow. As, I, he's not an MVP candidate, but he's been better. Uh, uh, to me, Travis Kelsey has not had a good season. Ten receptions, 67 yards, one touchdown. They're blowing them up like they're something. Pacheco's been pretty good this year. He's been really explosive and fun to watch. The Vikings, Kirk Cousins had a good day, 29 for 47, 284 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Madison is not doing anything. Cam Akers is doing nothing. I, I mean... Jordan Addison was the only one that actually showed up after losing Justin Jefferson for the rest of the game. Three receptions, 28 yards for Justin Jefferson before he tore uh, whatever. His, uh, his hamstring is done or whatever. Jordan Addison, six receptions, 64 yards and one touchdown. And T.J. Hawkinson, who got a lot of money in the offseason, five receptions, 51 yards, is not getting it done. And that's why. The Chiefs won. All right, we're talking about earlier the 49ers and, and the, the mistakes by the referees. 49ers blowing out the Cowboys 42 to 10. We There's seen... nothing more to say about that. Yeah, okay, <laughs> please. It, it's done. All right, stop. I, I'm done. We've, we spoke about it enough. They completely blew them out. Yes, Period. Done. All right, Monday Night Football. The Las Vegas Raiders 17, the Green Bay Packers. 13. I didn't even get a chance to watch this game. It's yeah, busy it yesterday. was another rough game for Jordan Love. Decision. It was make. a close game. It was a close game. The, the, Raiders had some sloppy turnovers, too. Jimmy G had a really bad interception in the third quarter. You don't quarter. hear any of the Jordan Love lovers speaking out that he's better than Aaron Rodgers oh, no. anymore, do you? 
He's barely Please. better than Zach Wilson right now, honestly. Please. Like, he's probably only a bit, a little bit better if you look at their stats. I'm making excuses season. with this offensive line. Yeah, the offensive line is still a problem, though. And Three I, interceptions in a game, 16 for 30 and 182 yards is not going to sell me about uh, everybody's Jordan love. Nope. And neither is the fact that uh, their love fest. Christian Watson is. He the, looked good. Christian, he was the only one that was good in that game. A.J. Dillon was. He's some player, yards. man. They, 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 they found something with him. But. Uh, A.J. Dillon, inefficient running, 76 yards, 3.8 yards to carry. The Packers' defense was able to keep him in the game, but eventually Josh Jacobs was able to take over in the second half, and the Raiders' defense Love doing him. just enough. And leading receiver, not Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers. Jimmy G finally woke up. Baby, baby, let go. You like you like Jacoby Myers? He's he's a good slot receiver. Like I'm not saying he's a number one type receiver. I think he's a he's a solid slot receiver. I think he actually stretches the field a little better than some of the guys that the Patriots had too. But they let him go, and now they're stuck with uh, Kendrick. I wonder, Kendrick I wonder how and, I was in my other league. Did I win my other league? I did. I won there you both. go. I won both weeks. I'm loving it. Very I'm, nice. I'm finally moving up. Baby. Come back, son. Moving on up. To the east side. Yeah, that's what I'm liking. Moving up on to the east side. Yes. yes. Moving on up to the east side. Yes. But that's it. I like the New York Giants. I like the New York Giants that are moving down. Two and down. three. Two and three. Both Green Bay and the Raiders. They both stink. Yeah, they, it was ugly, ugly football. Mm. You didn't miss much. It was ugly. Well, thanks. Just, just as much as the Jets and the Broncos. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the Jets and the Broncos was ugly. Oh, really I, ugly. I mean, as ugly as it could be. That's for sure. Anyway, so that was our. Uh, a recap of week five, ladies and gentlemen. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our final segment of the weekend. I'm sorry, not the week, because we have a show on Thursday. Yeah, we do. Um, uh, the MLB recap, which uh, the D-backs are absolutely crushing the Dodgers two games to none. Uh, it's been very impressive. It really has. And I've been speaking highly of Arizona. They're a young team. They have a bunch of good young outfielders. Their pitching staff and their bullpen is one of the best in baseball. They've been sensational speedy and and the Dodgers have no answer to that bullpen yeah. no answer to that bullpen yeah and they're starting pitching which I thought they had enough depth to be able to compensate for they have looked awful too Clayton Kershaw has five runs before he allowed Dude, Clayton Kershaw is not the same pitcher I, I, I they gave him a lot of money a couple of years ago mm. extended him and he was done I, I understand he's a great pitcher he's gonna go down he's one of the better Dodger pitchers he is Done. He's done. He, he Matthew Stafford has some things left. They're best friends. Right. I, I Clayton Kershaw has nothing left. Yeah. You nothing. wonder. You wonder if they, they maybe were better off using him out of the bullpen. But the problem is they just had so many injuries that they couldn't deal with that. Obviously, Bueller has not been healthy. Urias with the whole domestic violence thing, and the Dodgers were never able to adjust to that. It seemed like a team that was rallying overcome adversity. They had all these young players breaking out. Their bullpen has actually been really good throughout the season, but they're just not being managed right. And you're right, Dave Roberts might cost them this job because Arizona looks like the more athletic team. Mookie. Betts isn't hitting. No. Uh, Freddie Freeman isn't hitting. Max Muncy isn't really hitting. I mean, he, none of them are hitting, okay? Even J.D. Martinez, he's been their best hitter. He really has been. Right. J.D. Old Man Martinez had three at-bats. Uh, he was had one run and two hits in that game. That's about it. And, and by the way, a home run as well. So uh, everybody else has been absolute. Jason Hayward, oh, what a bust. <laughs> oh, Carl's boy. Thank Jason you to the Hayward. Cubs, baby. Thank you to the Cubs. <laughs> Overpaying him. I mean, everybody else, they've, just been, they've been putrid offensively. Yeah. The Diamondbacks have been... They've been good. I mean, everything. Even Tommy Pham showed up. Tommy in that Pham, game. 
Gurriel. I know he likes to open up. He, Tommy Fan likes to open up his mouth and throw people under the bus, including the Mets. But hey, you know what? Uh, if he's winning, he can open his mouth. Well, clearly he's a good culture guy for teams because Arizona's are rallying around with some veteran leadership because they're a very young team. I think they were the third or fourth youngest team in the league coming into the year, and a lot of those young guys are hitting too. Corbin Carroll, uh, Lords Gurriel, who's uh, Yuli Gurriel's younger brother. They traded for him from the Blue Jays. They look identical. Really good. They look identical. <laughs> Another guy they traded from the Blue Jays was uh, their catcher Moreno, and he's been hitting really well in the playoffs too. Uh, yeah, and uh, the Braves. I, listen, the Braves got lucky. <laughs> There's nothing more to say about it. They got lucky. They almost went down two to nothing. Uh, Philadelphia was absolutely dominating that game until the, the ninth inning, and honestly, a lot of mistakes by Philadelphia. Philadelphia could have closed them de- if they. Went up 2 nothing. There was no way the Braves come back in that series. I, I, there was no way they went three games in a row. Now it's 1-1, and it's anybody's ball game. Zach Wheeler pitched really well. Really I well, mean, yeah. really well. He is fantastic. I mean, the Mets are probably <laughs> scratching their head they didn't re-sign this. Among game. other things. I mean, six innings pitch, three hits, two earned runs, and ten strikeouts. Just absolutely dominant. And and they're hitting the ball. It's not like they're not. Riomoto's hitting the ball. Uh, they're getting... They're getting their, you know, their slacks, but they're just not closing them out. And Trey Turner needs to do more in right. this series. He, he needs to do more. He, I, there to me, I still think Philadelphia will win this series. I think they have the edge, but losing a game like that might be mental. And I, I, I the Braves, if they win next game, if they knock off Philadelphia, they are heading to Philadelphia. So yes, I uh, that's the advantage Philadelphia has, but. Philadelphia needs to end them in Philadelphia. You have two games in Philadelphia. Close them out. You do not want to go back to Atlanta in game number five and lose in Atlanta. Right. And there's two things that Philadelphia is going to have to figure out this long term for this series because Nolan Wheeler already pitched. Like, who is going to be those other pitchers that are going to step up? Ranger Suarez come back from injury. He's been out of the bullpen a lot. He's been fine. They got uh, Michael Lorenzen. They traded for the trade deadline. They're going to need somebody else to break out because we know the Braves have the depth. And the other thing, too, is like you mentioned, they're hitting in good spurts, but they need to do uh, more offense beyond the home run ball. Can they figure that kind of thing out? The Dodgers, I think, have been trying to do that, too, and it's hurt them against the Diamondbacks. You saw the Orioles, I think, have been trying to do that, but the Phillies look like they're trying to only hit the home run, and they have to get, like you're saying, Turner involved, get these faster guys involved, and create runs that way, like the Diamondbacks are doing. We all know what's going to happen in the Strohs series. I, I, I didn't I didn't think at any point that the Twins were going to win this series. I really didn't. And and now the Philadelphia, I mean, Ast- the Astros went, uh, won today nine to one. I I think it's over for them. I, I do. I I cannot see them winning. Javier was absolutely lights out. I mean, one hit, no earned runs, nine strikeouts. He was unbelievable. Uh, the the Alex Bregman was great, and and they're getting hits from their big name guys. And and Abreu, Jose Abreu, the the acquisition in the offseason, two home runs, he was fantastic. If the Astros play like this, they're going to be very hard to beat, I, I, honestly. But I don't know if they're going to consistently do this. But the Twins aren't a good team. They they snuck into the playoffs because they're in a terrible division. And uh, listen, they have some power in their lineup, but they're not going to hit against good pitching. And and they did for years. They couldn't beat the Yankees because the Yankees had good pitching. And I just think uh, the Twins are done. But they've had a good season. Yes. And uh, 
Uh, I think the Strohs will get done with them in the next game, and it'll be done. And and same thing. Uh, what what are your opinion? What is your opinion in the series? Yeah, when you look at the Twins' offense, the way they're structured, I think they needed a little more production with their left-handed hitters too. Because yeah. it's weird because the Astros actually they, they were like the Mets of last year. They only have one left-handed pitcher on their roster. That don't matter. And it, it's not going to matter for the Astros because they're very well managed with the analytics department. The splits are still good. Their bullpen has been the best in baseball, and it's it's still showing in this series too. The Twins have had the Twins rally back at the end. Of of game one in the middle of game one, but then got shut down. They lost six to four and this game, they just really could not find anything. And you're right. The Astros, if they can get any level of offensive consistency, they're going to be a tough out. And, and by the way, the Texas Rangers are about to sweep the yep. Orioles. Like I predicted, great call. great call, like I predicted. And it'll be the Texas Rangers and the Astros in the uh, ALCS. I predicted that. Yes, you did. And I had Philadelphia in the Arizona Diamondbacks going into the National League NLCS. Diamondbacks Rangers would be a fun World Series. I don't. I I think it's still going to be Philadelphia. Okay. And the Texas Rangers. I I still think Philadelphia is going to pull off uh, that that upset against the Braves, and I still think it's is it's going to be the Diamondbacks and. Uh, the Diamondbacks and the Philadelphia Phillies. I, I, I really do. But I, I've been very impressed with this Texas Ranger team. They, they've had so many mishaps all season long. They lose a pitcher that they overpaid in the offseason. Then they lose Max Scherzer where, uh, you know, they brought him in for, uh, you know, obviously the playoffs. He's out for the season. And they're still winning. Uh, I think Bruce Bochy is fantastic. I think he's the best manager in baseball. It's not even a question to the uh, the Texas Rangers up 7-1 to now. I think just homered. Uh, I think it's – Oh, no, it's Lau. Lau. Listen, the Texas Rangers are young. They're confident. I think this could be their year. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really do. I, I love Bruce Bochy. I – him coming out of retirement was just – I don't know how they talked him into coming out of retirement because he left the San Francisco Giants, a good team right. uh, that he helped build, and win three World Series. And now he has a chance to, again, win another championship with another young team that nobody even thought had a chance this year. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's so impressive. It really is. And who would have thought that Jacob deGrom could win a ring without even playing this year? Yep. And a lot of it has to do with all these veteran pitchers that have come through for them. Because I was worried about their pitch depth. I was worried about their bullpen, especially. That was really bad throughout the year. I think they had the second most blown saves. And I want to say they had the best record among a team that was led the league in that category or was second in the league in that category, winning 95 games the way they did. But you look at you look at the Rangers' bullpen this postseason. They've been unhittable so far. They're smashing the ball right now. It, it, this is this is a Joe. Yeah, and the lineup is the deepest lineup in baseball, and a lot of the guys that have been the younger guys have been the guys hitting too, like Jung, Evan Carter, a young outfielder that's played very well for them so far in the postseason All as well. All the, the moves that they made over the last three years signing these big names, it's worked out for them. It really has. It took a while. Corey Seager, fantastic move. Marcus Seaman, uh, even though he's not playing well in this game, he's been he's been very good. I mean, all the big names that they brought in free agency, everything is starting to fall together for them. And I think this is their year. I, just like it was Philadelphia's year last year, I, I would love to see the Phillies versus the Texas Rangers in the World Series. That would be such a fun series. Two, two talented teams, two teams that are – Two coaches, uh, two managers, one that got that took over for Joe Girardi last year and then took a team all the way to the World Series, do it again back-to-back years, and then uh, the Texas Rangers winning a World Series. I would love to see that. Something that uh, they've been craving forever. So, yep. uh, and We've talked about it in the past. Like, How do you overcome 
either statistically bad. The Battle bad. of the Texas is yeah. uh, in the ALCS. Yes, so. it would be. Yeah, and we always talk about like how certain teams have overcome bad or questionable bullpens in the past too, like like the Nationals, especially when they won the World Series. Um, the Red Sox when they won the World Series had a very questionable bullpen. But you see the Texas Rangers trying to find young pitching that has worked for them in the middle innings. Dean Dunning has been one of those guys, a good young player. They have a couple good young lefties in that bullpen, and the veteran pitchers, two of the best, uh, most underrated playoff pitchers we've seen recently. Nathan Evaldi, remember what he did for the Red Sox? He's pitching, he's pitched great in this game. And then you got Jordan Montgomery, who you called uh, last year saying that he was the best pl- playoff uh, pitcher for the Yankees. Yeah, he was. He was. Uh, to me, what well, wasn't last year it was the year before that. Yeah. But. Uh, it, it's it's been very impressive. The Texas Rangers have been very impressive, and and like I said, when you have a good manager, everything falls together. I mean, you can you can manage a team and a roster and and pick do the right things. Everything that Bruce Bochy Bochy has touched has turned to gold, and I think Bruce Bochy has been. Everything to the Texas Rangers. Any acquisition that they made in the offseason was nothing compared to bringing in a guy who I think has been the best manager in baseball for over 10 years. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he retired made no sense. I didn't think he was coming back. And then he comes back and takes over for this team. He's going, he has a chance to win another World Series with a team that's never won a World Series. Nope. Snug says uh, Trey Turner has let off the double last night. It's his glove that's been suspect. Well, yeah, he's been kind of an inconsistent defender as it is. He's not like the greatest. That's why they had to move him to second base, but they had to move him back to shortstop this year because he's not the greatest defender there. Uh, how good it, would it be for DeGrom to get a ring while I on the IL? I would laugh as a Mets fan. It would be funny. Maybe that would be the closest thing to – I'm not getting the tattoo snug, but the Mets winning a World Series. And Snug wants us to unblock Jeff. Maybe we'll do it. I'll think about it. We'll see. Okay? I'm not. I'm not going to be nice to a guy that's not nice to anybody else. But maybe – Maybe in the future we'll unblock Jeff, okay? I understand everybody wants to see Jeff back in here. I still have my own thoughts to the guy. Um, Maybe in the next week or so we'll see Jeff again, okay? (laughs) Thank you for all the fans out there. And by the way, uh, thank you to obviously all 22 Fantasy Football, Chris uh, Lombardi for joining us. Also, thank you to Sports Illustrated, alldolphins.com publisher, Alan Pupar for, for joining us as well. Uh, Alan's an uh, interesting character as well. So thank you to them. They actually showed up. I'm just kidding, Speedy. Uh, but thank you to all the fans around the country, everybody that tunes in and listens to our craziness and our content. Uh, we really like to entertain you guys. And, and again, uh, our show is just absolute hooray. I can't wait. <laughs> You're an idiot, Snug. Uh, I really appreciate everybody around the country tuning in and listening to us and, and, and really giving us all the credit that we, we, do, we deserve. We, we put a lot of time into the content on this network and on this show, and we want to we be declared the best show in, in the country. And we give you all that and, and more. And I'm happy that everybody really enjoys what we do and, and continue jo- enjoying what we do. So thank you to all the fans. Thank you to everybody. And we will be back on Thursday. No show tomorrow because it's my girlfriend's birthday. But uh, we'll be back on Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Good night, everybody. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.